Ah, alone on Valentine's? Even your dating sim is washing its hair? Don't worry, we've got something to raise your disposition. Take the phone off the hook. Oh, right, yeah. Put the phone on airplane mode. Slip into something comfortable. Bring your hand down slowly, further, further down. That's right. Reach out a finger and gently, featherly, lightly brush on the play button. It's time for a threesome. Podsploitation after dark. A spunky, carefree past with felicity. The raw future of 1981 with center spread. The Valentine Sexy Time Special. After Dark, this is our Valentine's special. Mm-hmm. Because nothing says love and romance like softcore pornography and gratuitous boobage. <laughs> I'm Daria. I'm Callum. And I'm November. We're taking a look at a pair. Quite a pair. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of pairs in this <laughs> double yeah. feature. Indeed, yes. From a small company you may not have heard of. It's a small organisation called Umbrella that makes <laughs> Aussie movies that are wonderful and fantastic. And they released a Blu-ray double bill of... 1978's Felicity and 1981's Centre Spread. 5.3 stars on IMDb, which beats out the low-achieving Centre Spread at 5.2. <laughs> yes, both of them scores out of 10, so neither of them are really punching very hard on this one. It's an interesting pairing because... On the surface, you know, as we've talked before, exploitation, exploitation movies are genre films. So we've touched on the horror, we've touched on the action, we've touched on the vom comedy that we've talked about. Now we're in the sexy times. Softcore pornography both, but at the same time not really, which was one of the things that really kind of surprised me. I don't understand why you're saying these aren't softcore porn. Oh no, they're softcore porn. Okay. They're absolutely softcore porn. They definitely porn. are. Right. Without a shadow of a doubt. But there's more to them than I was expecting. I genuinely expected Debbie Does Dallas out of both of these. I haven't seen Debbie Does Dallas, so I've got nothing. I've only seen a couple of cuts of it, and... I think we just all know Debbie Does Dallas. It's in the cultural zeitgeist. No one's yeah. actually seen it. An almost plotless bounce from sex scenes to sex scene, which is what I was expecting from these. And so because my expectations were... So low. So, so low. <laughs> Genuinely surprised by each of them in a slightly good way, he said, hoping to cover the fact that as a white heterosexual male, any kind of positivity I bring to these ones, I don't know, it's a good film, I liked it for the articles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just have an ear peek at the trailer for Felicity first up. Meet Felicity. She's the world's cheekiest, spunkiest, sexiest new girl, and she's got a story to tell you. I hear the mama say, girl, no more. Baby, you're the first to know. 
hair changes colour. She's not eating it, she's filleting it. How many times has that song played in the movie? It's weird that brazen shilling of her. Yeah, it really is. Come with Felicity as she takes you to Hong Kong and a very different world of sights that a tourist never sees. Oh, I bet they do. What is this place? Don't be afraid. We're going to take a bath. Like you never had before. Felicity and her beautiful Asian friend will take you into a world of oriental bathhouses and softly scented delights. And in among the junk people, the bars. The junk people. Wow. Because they live on junks. Yes. Yeah, all the one junk they found that was still in Hong Kong by that stage. I want us to make love together. She realizes from the beginning that there's more to love than meets the eye. Oh my god. The trailer's soft focus. It's soft focus. Yes, it has. What are you wearing under that dress? Just suspenders and panties. Take them off. It's not actually what she does that's very different, but it's just where she does it that's eye popping. Aren't you gay? Come in here. Like the announcer's making a second bid for us to like it. Like, no, yes. it's not what but she does. No, 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 no. It's, it's not what you think. Well, rather, it is what you think, but it'll be a bit different to what you think. Wow, that's. <laughs> oh my god, I just realised. Mm. This is if Australia tried to get Hong Kong to do a sex version of an ad agency bring you into Hong yeah. Kong. It's sex scene, honkers, sex scene. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and we actually mentioned this. It's a love note to Hong Kong in a way. I mean, it plays out mm. in a really definite sort of postcard shots. I mean, almost literal ones in a couple of cases. They've yes. sort of framed them specifically the front of the boat where Felicity and Miles are kissing at that front part. It's like, you know, here is a genuine, you know, all you need is love from Hong Kong on the bottom. And that actually comes out when you listen to the director's commentary on this one because he actually talks about how he laments what they've lost from Hong Kong. Oh, yeah, everything's that like, and... that's not there anymore, that's not there anymore, yeah, that was housing. torn down as soon as we stopped shooting. <laughs> well, they actually mentioned at one point one of the the sites, a hotel that they actually scouted, had been pulled down by the time they went back to film. So uh, he said even back then Hong Kong was on the move. But, yeah, maybe someone should do plot. Okay. Oh, sorry, let me, someone should do <clears throat> plot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, the plot, you say. Girl learns about sex. <sighs> this sweet, innocent girl, Felicity. She's meant to be 17. Uh, she's played by a 26-year-old. But she's in her Catholic. Catholic school run by the nuns. And oh, so innocent, except for these somewhat light experimentation with her female friend at the convent. I can't sleep either. You're glistening all over. Go on. Please touch me. Haven't you ever wanted to reach out and touch me? Yes, plenty of times. And then her father goes, sends her a letter and says, there's a ticket to Hong Kong. There's no actual ticket there. There's just a letter. But she says, no, there's just one ticket. No, there's no ticket at all. Anyway, irrelevant. Wow, that really Moving on. You, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, that scene, because she basically says to a friend, now, of course you can't come, you're poor. <laughs> yes, there is that. We have a class <laughs> system for a reason. Yes. 
well, shaggy, but I won't take you anywhere with me to be seen. When you're glistening on and then glistening off and then glistening on again in that one sequence in front of the windows. <laughs> you're glistening. No, you're not. Slow cut. Oh, yes, you are. No, that's... Anyway. So, a letter from her father who we never see or hear from whatsoever says, uh, send her a ticket to go see her aunt and uncle in Hong Kong. Parenting by remote control. Yes. And she is at the... the the... Where clearly nobody cares about her welfare at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she is at the burgeoning sexual awakening of her desire, insert humescent word in there at some point too. That kind of classic small person, male, female, whatever, discovers the world. So her first man-woman experience is uh, she watches a couple shag on the plane over. Mm-hmm. She watches them behind the, uh, from between the seats. I don't know whether we've really talked about this before. Every character in a movie is a superhero. Are you familiar with this as a concept or huh? not? Okay. Oh, is this because she can see through walls? Well, she can. She she knows when people are checking her out. She has super perception, and this is something that's actually worth mentioning. Any movie, just about any movie, the characters will almost always do something which is superhuman. So you've got extremes like Die Hard is bulletproof, you've got you know any kind of action movie, any driving movie, they'll pull off stunts that are physically impossible to do, you know, sure. all that kind of stuff. But all the way down to What just is the porn star superpower? She just sits and suddenly knows when people are checking her out, you know. She feels the, the man's gaze when Yes, she's but she's a really pretty young girl her. and people are probably oh, no, always no. checking her out. No, but this is but she knows. <laughs> she and she actually mentions this at one point when she's with her auntie and uncle-in-law, I don't know how that works, uh, how she was just sitting there and she knew that his eyes were on her and so she she moves into a slightly better position uh, yes. and stuff. So, yeah, it was just one of those things. It's not specific to this. It's just a, a more general thing. Or she heard footsteps and they stopped in front of her door. No, yes, but it's, the point I'm trying to make is, and it's something to be aware of, you know, if a movie character is shot, they will survive unless they're intended to die. They'll always be slightly funnier, slightly stronger, slightly sexier, slightly more amusing. It's just a thing. And her superpower seems to be she can sense the sex. Right. Yeah. It's her sixth sex. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, yeah, sexy superhero. Innocent sexy superhero. This is one of her realisations right at the start when she talks about how she realised her body could excite other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. When she was able to put eyes on herself and realised that she'd blossomed the way all the other girls had. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, at this point, the film also can't really decide. For most of the first half, if she is uh, naughtily experienced or some kind of neophyte that's just been open to everything. Yeah. There's a thing that the Amish do that... They they finish. Is this how they make little Amish? <laughs> it is. This is how they make baby Amish. I do it a lot. No, I, I can't remember. Because the they ex- don't have Netflix. <laughs> I can't remember the exact pronunciation. Basically, it's a point where if you've been raised as a child in an Amish community, you are cut free for twelve months, and you can basically do whatever you want. Yeah, you go out, travel, you, shag, do drugs, party, yeah, whatever. And you're allowed. And bizarrely, you get these situations where people actually go out and they become massively wealthy and car owners and everything because they've got this kind of Amish work ethic that's suddenly delivered into the real world. But the flip side being is it's like a massive frat party. So they get drunk and they have wild sex and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of where I thought the movie was going to go, that she seemed to be upping Uh the game each time and it would get a little weirder and a little weirder. 
And then a third of the way in, she finds romance, and then it becomes just a natural awakening story. So uh, I guess in that respect, the the, the prime of dude's voice is kind of right. It's not what she does, because that's it's almost... where she does Where it. she does it, and how she does it, and how many other times <laughs> only girls are involved. You're awfully quiet over there, yes, Doria. Yes. No, I was trying to remember the name um, for the Amish yeah, gap uh, here. Yeah, Rem- Rem- yes. Hang on a second, I'm going to... Amish year off. Here we go. <laughs> Rumspringer. Rumspringer. There we go. Uh, also spelled... Spring break. Rumspring. Uh, jumping, hopping around is the ah. translation in English. Kind of like this movie does. <laughs> or at least this podcast. Mm. Colin A, Colin B. It all works. Weirdly, she she doesn't like hedonism, she says at one point. Which is the, the whole movie has been hedonism. It's like... Uh, so, well, since she left the convent anyway... Yeah, what was the staring at the people in the plane while jilling off? What was that? Not yes. even the, There's moments throughout this film where there is a theme running under this film, and it's time travel. What? I swear, <laughs> I swear. There are Christopher... Did we watch the same film? Are you sure? There are Christopher Nolan-level cuts between day and night cycles. Okay, so yes, that's true. What, they catch a boat in the morning at one point. She says, where's it going? Apparently it's going tonight, because yes. that's where they end up. That's very um, true. The other thing is the random order of stuff. So, for example, Mei Lin, when she takes Felicity under her wing, she starts with, as you heard, the bath that you're going to have without it before, a four-way two-on-two lesbian massage, and then she takes her to a brothel and says, you're not allowed to be shocked by what you're going to see, and it's heterosexual couples getting it on missionary style. Well, she says also no one will touch you, and then... And then she gets touched. But, yeah, the order of events, you know, is she innocent, is she not? Is she really into it, is she not? I liked the, the first experience was an unpleasant experience... And then she develops from that. And in fact... Um... I was just thinking back to the lack of duty of care. Oh, God, so... yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. We, 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 should, we should touch on who's actually responsible for this young and innocent girl in Hong Kong. So she's gone to aunt and uncle's house who are apparently, obviously, insanely rich because they mm. live in a house that's got a tennis court and... Swimming pool. And, and servants. And servants. servants. Yep. I would expect servants before I would expect a tennis court. Just, you know, land values. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she notices this bloke that's there, another guest of the party, and Art says, oh, he's very good looking or whatever. That man over there. Yeah! He's staring at me. Who? Oh, Andrew. Yes, he'd have his eye on you. All my friends lust after him. Well, you're a big girl now. Go and enjoy yourself. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Just good fortune, I guess. I'm staying with Christine and Stephen over there. The trip was a gift from my father. Well, we owe him a vote of thanks, don't we? Listen, uh, you like bright lights and fancy cars? Yes, why? Come with me. Where are we going? You'll see. And then she's like, yep, I'm not telling anyone that I'm going anywhere. I'll just be off with this bloke. We're taking a drive to... And I get to live. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lit tree, apparently. A, a nicely lit tree, yes. Yeah, it's like, are we going to cut to 
And then her remaining organs were found three months later by police. Yeah, very I, much so. I did genuinely wonder if that's what happened to Miles at the end when she finds him in the small beach hut and says, is there anything that happened to you? And I felt, I thought at one point he was going to lift the towel. And he's in the bathtub <laughs> covered in ice. But yeah, that is such a thing. It's like, I mean, she has a conversation with her aunt. You know, she sees her aunt and uncle, you know, having sex. and she Oh, 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 I have to interrupt here though. Did you notice too, Daria, when she's watching through the slats to watch her aunt and uncle have sex? The slats are positioned the opposite direction. She couldn't see that thing. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Actually. It really bugged me. The in the commentary, she actually the actress actually talks about the fact she couldn't see anything through the the passenger seats, through the seats in the plane. Yeah. Because of the way her position was. But yeah, November pointed it out, and it's that whole thing of you have to have the slats facing upwards so that you can shine light on the face of the actress or actor, as it happens a little bit later on, and you see the beams of light on the face nicely. But the end result being that if you think about it, all she's doing is looking flat at slats, and yes. you actually can see through see the eyes. Probably these days they digitally move her eyeballs or something. <laughs> that work. But yeah, well, we were talking about the lack of duty of care of oh, this seventeen-year-old, yes. twenty-six-year-old woman. Yeah. Yes. So she so she talks to her aunt. She admits that she saw them uh, together, and then the aunt sort of questions all those conversations that you have of oh, are you a virgin still? You know, have you ever had it? Have you? And she's like, oh, should I do it? And and the aunt's like, no, 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 no. Don't rush. Don't rush. Take your time. And then literally three minutes later at a party. Go home with this random guy that's yeah, everyone, known as a womanizer. Everyone thinks he's handsome. Um, you should go away with him Massage alone him. and shag him. Yeah. Which, yeah. as I said, Banjo Patterson, he's an actor. There are a couple of pop-up actors in this who have been in everything in Australia. Uh, and he actually, one of the things I recognise him for is he plays Banjo Patterson in the original Man from Snowy River. So, uh, yeah, very, very prolific Aussie actor for a while. Yeah, he was in everything. Including Felicity. Oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're not in the era of enthusiastic consent with he and Felicity. That is, no, that is not pleasant to watch in 2019. Yeah, it's very different. Okay, yes. Um, I see. I feel there's, there's no. Is this? No, 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 no. no. But okay, so she's been reading the book, the story of O. Yeah, that's where you were going to go. That's exactly what I was going to say. Okay, so that was the point I was going to make. So. This movie is made in a very particular style. It's a Euro sex film. There are a couple of movies Emmanuel. out there. Yeah, it's uh, in Emmanuel, Emmanuel knockoff. That yes. was yeah. most of the 70s. Emmanuel and, <laughs> yes. and the story of O. And in fact, she actually reads both of those novels. At some point during mm. the film, she's reading the story of O when the, the boys that are fishing see her. Fishing boys seeing them on a lake. It's such an American fantasy. Like, I, I don't know why, but I always hear about... In Stephen King novels and stuff, you know, the girls always teasing the boys that went down to the creek to fish. Oh, really? It's such a weird little thing. Huh. But yeah, so she's reading Story of O, she's reading Emmanuel. And that's the point I want to make on that particular scene, that first off, yes, and this is one of the things we've talked about on, on Ausploitation movies before, we have to take them as a measure of when they were made. And what constitutes consent then was absolutely now different. So... The fact she didn't run away. I don't know. I think I'd argue consent has always been consent. It's just that some people didn't care back then so much. Uh, <sighs> yes, but, but movies are a dipstick of society. And what society finds acceptable is, of course, reflected in the movies. Some movies definitely drive the whole social awareness cycle forward, which is good. But I... Yeah, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but the producers of Back to the Future have said they would rewrite the ending of Back to the Future these days if they made the movie now. Because the original film, Marty 
gets the big car and oh, it's all eighties materialism. It's incredibly materialistic win yeah. for him. What they would do now is they would have him learn a lesson that oh, made gosh. him comfortable with the family he had in the environment that he had. It would be a much more moral lesson. It'd be a much more modern lesson, which is. But you can't judge Back to the Future on anything other than the fact that it was made in 1985. So, yes, I don't think anyone would have consciously said, let's make this rape. And, in fact, John D. Lamont specifically talks about the fact that he wanted to ensure there was no violence in this movie. The, the closest we get to actual sexual violence is the knife. That would be the second scene that, to modernise, would look like rape. Yeah, the... In, in the... In, 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 yeah, in, in the, the barge, yes. And yeah. The very fact that there's then the, the the voiceover that she says, I thoroughly enjoyed it, I knew it was wrong, but I was heavily into yeah. it, which is part and parcel of the sexual journey for people anyway, is learning. Because the whole point about sex is you have to break a taboo. Because Should we actually, can we go back in time and tell them that foreplay is a thing that exists? <laughs> <laughs> we know this movie's seven hours long, jeez. <laughs> um, well, that's... Kind of like, yeah, he said, take your pants off him. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, just to finish the cycle on that sequence. So with the understanding that they wanted to consciously make her first sexual experience less than just a a, a realistic version of what people would have. What you've got there is a story of O play out, almost literal in some cases. So the removal of the panties and then having her sit on the leather is an actual thing that occurs at the very start of the story of O, as he's delivering the woman to the castle. He makes her take her pants off and then sit on the leather. So that mm-hmm. was all very conscious. Absolutely in this uh, absolutely in this day and age it would be rape from the point of view of um, utilising her innocence to control her into performing an unsatisfying sex act. But I am 100% sure that is not what they were thinking of at the time. They didn't want to make it a rape scene. I don't think it was their intention. At no. The time. no, I don't think it was their intention. It's one of the ones that's harder to just go... Oh, it was 1978. Oh, yeah. It makes me fucking uncomfortable to watch. And I'm really glad, as we've mentioned before, I'm so glad of my instinctive reaction. Wow, that's terrible. Yeah, Because she doesn't even seem terribly into it. Often in a porn or erotic, if something starts like that, at least the other person, in this case Felicity, is right into it right away. So Yes, that's right. Hmm. uh, Ameliorates the... Uh, sternness of the initial contact, if you will. Yes. Mm. But it's interesting because you would have watched Dangerous Liaisons. Sure. Now, do you remember the first sexual experience that... Um, Uma Thurman? That's Uma it. Thurman, right. Watch the sequence with Uma Thurman and John Malkovich the first time after he gets the key to the bedroom. That is way worse than the story of O montage in this film. Yes, and it's not portrayed as rape either. But it is rape. It is. It absolutely <laughs> is. And it's only in the dissemination after the fact of when Glenn Close is actually talking to Emma Thurman's character and says, well, did you stop him? And she said, well, I, I tried at first, but then admitting that she was into it. So it's that whole sensibility. No, no, she did not admit she was into it. She, she, she yep. told, uh, she said he was so clever with his words. Sorry. Okay, right. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So there's a big um, difference there. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I want to I want to make this really quick. It's, I totally, totally, totally get it. But I don't believe that the producers and the directors of that film would have gone, let's make this as rapey as possible and we'll break her for the rest of the film. Because that's like Dangerous Liaisons, and it's not a movie like Felicity. Okay, I will bring the topic sho- change. I'm not, I'm I will not. bring the shovels that... Thank you, the, please. I think the script isn't up to the nuance of expressing 
her regret at that not going well without making it overtly fairly horrible on screen. Thank yes. you. Yes, okay. Thank you. Wow. I knew when we were talking about this movie that I was going to have problems. Oh, this is the simple movie. This is the simple. Oh, I'm actually quite okay with the other movie. I don't feel uncomfortable. But I knew there were going to be pitfalls when I was talking about this one and tie myself up in knots trying to make sure that my own personal views and opinions came through while at the same time acknowledging that this movie was made at a very specific time. I mean, most of the rest of the film, we're completely into porn rules apply, where mm. everyone's in sort of a heightened sexual state mm-hmm. of readiness, and pretty much it lurks around every corner. Yep. In, and consciously made to be a sort of an, an overtly idealised version too. Uh, John Lamont specifically mentions a few times that he made it more than perfect. He actually questions when he's talking to the star, uh, Gloriana, do filmmakers have a responsibility to show the reality of sex? You no, know, of course all not. Of stuff. Well, it depends. I mean, they come to the point that it depends on what the story is meant to be portraying. And that, yeah, if you over... Do movie makers have to make realistic portrayal of anything? No, you don't. But that's... <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, if you make an overly idealised version of sex, everyone's going to want to try it. And then they're going to be grossly disappointed when, in actual fact, it involves fumbling and noises and changes of position and your arms get tired and your leg goes to sleep and sometimes you fall out and sometimes it's not quite right. And, yeah, it's, you know, if you make something seem perfect, you're going to disappoint people. What? Why is that such a <laughs> Holy shit. I've just spent the last 20 minutes... To- no, but don't you think? I mean, that's actually at least a, it's a question. Well, it's certainly a fantasy. All of the Emmanuel genre, if mm. you will, is fantasy to an extent. Yes. Imagine go- I would go so far as to say male fantasy. Well, yeah, well, I was yes. going to say, it's not about imagine going through life as Felicity. It's about <clears throat> going through life knowing people like Felicity and Meeling and, well, Emmanuel, mm. who yeah. will just so happily do all this and mm-hmm. not have headaches or wash their hair or whatever the cliche is. Yes. Look at periods. No, they don't happen in movies at all. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's like going to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's a really good point. It's Man, I really like you. And that moment where we survived the, the gunfire and the bomb was just phenomenal. But we can't really have sex now, not for another two days. Any chance you could just put it on hold and come back on Wednesday, that'd be great. Wow. I've never noticed that. I'm a horrible, horrible human being. Men, no complete lack of periods. Go forward with this news. (laughs) So, yeah, so we've got past the story of, oh, this is what you thought you wanted, but it's actually not. Yes. So her friend, Mi Ling, so she's had sex with the Mr. Bad Moustache (laughs) and is back at her aunts and uncles. And then her friend, Mi Ling's like, do you want to come with me for a few days? Sounded down on the phone, let's go. So just takes a bag. And the auntie who, who pushed Felicity at the dominant wannabe. And can I take two seconds to say, as a dom, he fucking sucks. <laughs> and then decides, I know, I'll hand her to the Asian person who... Oh, the Asian the... friend, as they say in the trailer. Yes, the Asian... Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> the, the Asian friend who runs the brothel. Let's send her off there. That'll be fine. <laughs> Jesus. Do they know her beautiful Asian friend runs the brothel? I thought she was just meant to be insanely immensely rich. I didn't think she had a job oh, at all yeah, until they went know. to the boat. Yeah. They just think she's an heiress. Okay. All right. That Maybe she a owns a fleet of brothels. Yes. 
Because she she also gets around the house. Oh, my God, they all get around public places in some pretty bizarre outfits. Yes. But, yeah, the... The friend loses her pants at some point. Oh, God. Yeah. Malin just certainly swans around in very... It's almost like a a Gatsby-esque sort of air of that particular lifestyle in that house, that constant partying and, uh, and enjoying Hong Kong. Which for those of but us, but they have one party. I don't. No, no, no. But just the feel in general is like constant. You know, there's swimming and get me another drink, and you know, even mm. between the parties, it's just this very wealthy. You know, we live up on top of the hill, kind of. You know, now yes, go and descend down and become a become <laughs> the a commoners. yes, become a become a social tour of um not social tourist. What's the word for it? Butterfly. Um, no, uh, for people slumming it. Let's just go with slumming it, shall we? Yeah, slumming it. Yeah, go and slum it for a while. Go and learn how the poor people do it. Enjoy yourself. Yes, go with this person. Mm. Yeah, I'll make up a reason for your dad while you're while you're <laughs> coming back pregnant with like six STIs. Oh yes, how is my no... ex-Catholic school girl and a daughter doing in your careful, close attentions in Hong Kong? frank discussions with her aunt about sex. There is no mention of the pill there are no condoms there is no safety here oh, there's no whatsoever safety, yeah. this is again where i said even porn, in the brothels porn rules. porn rules porn rules true well movie rules really i mean when was the last time we talked about periods when was the last time you saw the hero and the heroine stop to whack the rubber on before they got it on the hero and the hero the hero and the hero i know i was genuinely i'm just say saying that. that my example is cruise folk because ah. they're very good with that. Lovely. I know it's not a movie, it's a TV show. Oh, yeah. But they did get in trouble for having them unwrap the teeth. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And dental dams apparently just don't exist. They don't movies. exist. Like no, paper. they don't exist at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so all of that is interesting. So she goes off with Maylin. And Meeling takes young Felicity to... Meeling. 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 Not Maylin. Meeling. Played by Joni Flynn, hmm. who is later in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. <laughs> and to get somebody who is particularly Asian, they went with a Scots Indian, uh, is apparently uh, Joni Flynn's heritage. Oh, also later to be an octopusy girl. That's one you should have seen James Bond. I was blanking on which. Yep. Not the one Hong Kong said, but anyway. Because The Man with the Golden Gun is based around Hong Kong. Ah. Including the Bottoms Up Club, which makes an appearance in this movie too. Yes, it did. And That's doesn't right. exist anymore. Because I'm sure. wrong, apparently. <laughs> Felicity and Meeling go to Meeling's work, which is the floating brothel, says that young Felicity will be fine and she'll see some shocking things, such which is a married couple having sex. So, um, I know. Oh my god, scandal. Well, they're not married in the movie, but. but point, <laughs> in IRL, they're married. Yeah, point of curiosity, the couple, the first couple that are having sex are married. And in fact. How wholesome. I, yes. I love it. Well, yeah. Uh, That's Gloria, why they don't have to use rubbers. Yes. Gloria Annan was saying that they had a wonderful time. And in fact, John Lamont says that, you know, for this to avoid an X rating, they, they had to say all sex scenes were simulated. Apparently, the married couple, what did he say? It's it was less simulated, it was more stimulated. Stimulated was the official word he used at the time, apparently. Knowing John D. Lamont, I think he'd just been waiting for ages to use that one. Very possibly. It's, yeah, that does sound about right. I am going to give. John Lamont, the tiniest little bit of credit. I have always, insofar as I knew him very much at all, or knew of him, had always considered him to be that kind of classic sleazy, you know, gutter movie producer. 
DVD commentary on Felicity shows a level he's all right. of attention. Mm. He makes off-colour jokes. He's absolutely a man mm. of his time and a man of his industry. But he, he weighed a lot more uh, pros and cons and interest into things than I gave him credit for. Like I said, than I gave the movies credit for. So certainly mm. did better than so, the bloke in the other film. But we'll yeah. get to that. Uh, Vale John. So, uh, yeah. Uh, glass to you, good sir. Vale Glory, too. They're both no longer yeah. with us. She only passed in 2014, I think. Oh, such a shame. Mm. Anyway, that's the joys of, uh, of movies that are increasingly decades old now. She was born in Canada, which you can tell as soon as she says about in one of her opening lines. Uh, yes, and I love that they're not even going to try and make her have an Australian accent because yeah. nobody can do that. Yeah, so somebody actually... Almost nobody. One of the entries, one of the few trivia entries on IMDb is that they took a Canadian actress to play an Australian Catholic schoolgirl in Hong Kong with a British accent. Yes. Well, it's like Lucy Lawless on Xena. She's in New Zealand mm. playing a Greek, so she does an American accent. Of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Sean Connery is a Russian submarine captain, so he does not his best American accent with some Scottish twinges, because movie logic. So Flizzy's watching other people shag, and then this she doesn't even know what he looks like. This stranger comes up behind her and cuts the side of her underwear off with a knife and then fucks her and she's like doesn't say anything for a bit and it's like okay, oh this is naughty but mm. well it doesn't say anything at all in well yeah in a monologue type thing it seems to be and that's actually something worth mentioning so the the writers on this uh, or the writer is given as as felicity herself the writers oh, yeah. are john lamond and diane lamond his wife and basically, John sort of fleshed out a script, and then Diane went back and, and did, did a lot the, of editing. And ladyfied it. <laughs> and took, and she created the voiceover. And I would suggest, without the voiceover, oh yeah, you need the voiceover. This would be a much worse movie oh, than it is. Oh hell yeah! Well the done, Mrs. Lamond. The voiceover is absolutely an apologist commentary on the film. Whether it was always the intent, and the voiceover merely clarifies it, that's going to be a question that John D. Lamond's taken to his grave. But without a doubt, we were talking about, you know, she's okay with the all that the Mr. O failed bit did was uh, was just a bad sexual experience. The actual rape, which you could argue is genuinely rape in the junk, is not because of the way the voiceover explains how she goes. Now, admittedly, yeah. they do close up on her face and she's smiling and she's obviously into it at the time as well. Yes. But, yeah, the voice, unlike Blade Runner... This really needs the voiceover, and it's incredibly important to the film to not be something horrible. Yeah, well, it gives her a degree of agency that she might not appear to have. Well, otherwise. exactly. You're mm. exactly right. She would literally look like she was just being knocked from sexual encounter to sexual encounter mm. and pretty much be mindlessly led around by... People who have no concern whatsoever about her welfare. Which is an interesting thing, because I want to point out on something. This made me think of Game of Thrones. Huh? So I have never read the book. And I've watched the first season only of Game of Thrones. And one of the things I noticed very long, the, the sequence where Khal Drogo and Daenerys, Daenerys first have sex, yeah. it looks like rape. And I'd heard that the whole film was going to be rapey and was going to be gross and was going to be t terrible. And it, it was. I mean, the whole series was apparently got worse. I'd Like I said, not past the first season. But I watched that sequence. I remember you, November, specifically being quite affronted about that. I was that. annoyed by that scene because in the book it's very loving and mm. beautiful because and it's really annoying in the tv series because they've got that sort of violent first sex scene but they are in love with each other so quickly after that mm. it just doesn't go with that 
sex scene, however, that was shot. And I wonder how much of that is a failing of them. Did they genuinely want to make it rapey or did they just completely fail to bring across all of what would be in the dialogue of the book if they had had, say, a voiceover, if they could have almost narrated that sex scene? Because, I mean, yeah, you know, the Jason Momoa, the, the, the character he was playing is strong and, and, you know, that's his particular style. It's very hard to show, to simply put a camera on something like that and then not make it look like a violent sex act. Whereas if you've got the dialogue... That's and... not hard to... What? what? No, that's what... I think it is hard to do. I think it must be hard to do. You don't see two people reacting to each other in a positive manner. So you think that they genuinely intended to make that right? You, the... In Gen... Game of Thrones? In Game of Thrones. Yes. Okay, cool. I didn't see it, so... Yeah. No, I was just... I... Are you the one person who's neither seen them or read them? One. I saw the first couple episodes. Right. And I was like... Huh? Oh, look, here's something else I can watch. But no, I, I I think that you it's very easy I mean they say a picture paints a thousand words, but you can describe so much behind the sequences, behind you know, you can explain what's going on in the in the person's head and it can be a real apologist dialogue for an actual scene which on the surface might seem quite quite uh, you know one-dimensional for what it's worth. And so, yeah, so the, the dialogue being very important in this movie did make me think about that. On that Game of Thrones of the, scene. Of the, the Game of Thrones scene, yeah. But then, you know, the, the making of Felicity is, as far as I know, a collaborative process. There's the writers working with the directors or that. Game of Thrones, the TV series, is based on a book, A Song of Ice and Fire, not necessarily a lot of collab between the author of that and his intentions mm. and what HBO wanted on screen. Yeah. And I do know that there were apparently, there was one in particular, some incredibly controversial point where they diverged from the book for a particular character. And Sansa. Like, that's that's when I stopped. Yeah. Because they wanted another rape scene, apparently. So, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so maybe you're right. But it did... It but did. there are... It's, this is this is about Game of Thrones now. There are some <laughs> scenes of the book which are too fucked up for HBO. HBO scooped for them. So ah, okay. it goes both ways. Anyway, Felicity, that's the movie we're talking yeah, that about. Was the one. Yes, excellent. <laughs> so okay, so we've gotten as far as the barge where the shocking heterosexual missionary sex occurs. Then the friend me the friend looking after the sweet innocent young girl in a foreign city in a foreign country where they speak a foreign language just fucks off fucks right off jumps We're, on a boat yeah goes to shore and it's only because felicity happens to wake up just afterwards and walk at the same time so felicity manages to follow meeling at no point yells out oi yeah, she this... just follows her. Doesn't yell out, "Hey, right here!" It's supposed to be some weird little voyeur watching well, her friend from afar. Or I something? don't know. Is she, maybe she's a voyeur for everything, or just for sex. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe she's just like, "Oh my goodness, Maylene's <laughs> buying some bananas." <gasps> That's yeah. true because Maylene stops at the market to buy a couple of things. Mm. If Felicity's only been a few steps behind this whole way, probably could have just done a couple of quicker steps and be right there, mm -hmm. sister. Yep. And she catches up with her helping the family. Refugees. Yeah. Yes. And Maylene has this very bizarre delivery of, Oh, now you know my secret. The worst, the worst acting I have seen in anything pretending to be genuine acting. Oh, wow, really? Without a doubt. I have never seen 
something you not... watched center spread right no i did i did watch center <laughs> spread and i know you're down on center spread and we'll get to that i have never seen a worse delivery of faux surprise in anything portending to be genuinely was it supposed dialogue. to be faux surprise i thought it was badly delivered well, it's, very yeah, surprise. Yeah. it's just it's horrible it's I mean, I've seen bad acting. I've seen bad acting in a whole bunch. Of, I've seen student films. I've seen. You've yeah. seen the room, or at least parts it was thereof. Shockingly, jarringly, it was like proper pornography. If you ever watch a real, you know, like real, real hardcore porn films, where they have to splice supposed dialogue to get you to oh. the next fucking scene, yeah. and the cuts are terrible, and the camera angles are off, and you know, every little bit of filmmaking dialogue goes out the window to just get you to the next sex scene. Yeah. So it seemed so artificial. That's what this seemed like. It was, it was such a weird little, yeah, janky moment. Anyway, yeah, Karen, sorry. And also, a lot of this scene with her on the junk is another one of the, they can't work out if she's experienced or neophyte again mm. thing, because when it comes time for her backdoor man, she goes into the, oh, that's what we're doing face, instead of the, oh my goodness, what are you doing back there? What? Hang yeah. on, wait a minute, wait a minute, sorry. So, sorry, so you took that to be an anal sex scene? Yeah. I didn't assume it to be anal sex at all. Right. Right. Okay. okay. You can, you can go in the front door from the back <laughs> quite easily, as a matter of fact. In fact, I know. No, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I. So, so the point being, how I'm, to do it did come up in the past ten years of me being a sex educator. Okay. All right. Sorry. So what you do is you take. So how are you sucking it? You, you, you stick a hole in one end. I hadn't. Ta- I didn't take that to be anal sex. No, I you're right. I can't remember what my actual point was now. <laughs> there are a lot of silences in this one, aren't there? Sorry. Yes. Anyway, yeah. So, so, sorry. Yeah, well, moreover, yeah. But however, he was getting in. Yes. And wherever, wherever he, was going, he was going with yeah. that, her face went into this. Oh, I know what he's doing. Sort of. Thing. Oh yes, you, you were discussing if she's innocent or knowing by now. Yeah, which they seem to really vacillate on. Mm. Yeah. I guess, okay, if we're going to give this one the whole Emmanuel, fear of flying, David Ham- Hamilton credit for a second. So if we're going to genuinely say this was an attempt to make one of these stylistic coming-of-age stories, I get the impression that she's meant to be portrayed as a all-learning, no-experience character. You know, the very fact that she's managed to smuggle, I would assume, story of O, going to a convent, uh, a, a, a convent, convent school and has a copy of a manual. She's read about it. She knows about it. She has a intellectual understanding of it. And even possibly to, to a certain point, especially with story about the mechanics and the physicality, but zero actual experience. Yes. And so this is And she's story. been craving the physical experience. This is the story of her experiences catching up with the level of her knowledge and desire through fantasy, I guess. Yeah. Like I said, that's giving it a hell of a lot of credit. But, I think know, we're thinking about this more than some of the people who worked on it. To be I'm honest. sure we're thinking about this more than some of the people who. Are, I'm sure we're thinking about this more than some of the people who wrote this movie as well. But anyway. <laughs> so footnote: I did buy my copy of the story of O in a church. So go figure. In a church. In a church. Was it a book sale? Yeah, like a jumble sale thing. Ah, cool. Yeah, actually, for what it's worth, story. No, it's during a mass. <laughs> Yeah, you, you put you put a coin in the tray, and the next thing you knew, I had story about it in front of me. <laughs> For what it's worth, a very interesting read. Do you have it? Do you have a copy still? Uh, I do have a copy. I've got a couple Somewhere. of copies. I know it's actually a, um, I think it's a Penguin Classic now. You can actually oh, get right. it as. 
so well, if you haven't, yeah, I have. Worthwhile, certainly. And the movie's not terrible either. The movie is a very interesting film. There's a big discussion in the fetish community about what constitutes like genuinely representative fetish films versus sure. Fifty Shades of Grey, which yeah. mm. is appalling. Story though is actually a surprisingly good one on that score. So mm. yeah. Yeah, anyway, yes. So we escape the barge, we follow our friend who tried to ditch us and then we didn't get the hint. Who then says, look, go on your way. I'm doing my thing here. <laughs> she decides she's going back to aunties and uncles at that stage, I think. Mm-hmm. And then walks through the streets and gets chased by some... Yeah, she accidentally nearly stumbles into a Hong Kong action movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really weird because I, I genuinely got that impression. I thought, this is about to go Hong Kong action film. Yeah. Because they're in Hong Kong. The two men who attempt to accost her... A very, you know, action movie... Um... Gosh, their pants are tight. They are so good. It couldn't be an action movie. You can't do kicks in those, surely. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Those are, those are good kicking pants because all well, of the tension... they very elastic. Yeah. <laughs> that's what all the dangerous young men wore for a while. They really did, yeah. <laughs> uh, extras, that's the word I was actually looking for. They look exactly like any Hong Kong action extras from that genre of film from that era. Ironic, considering, of course, that's where Quentin Tarantino sort of cut his teeth in the early days of what he wanted to do, and he was a big exploitation. Full circle, man. Hakuna Matata. And, yeah, so she 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 barely escapes by running down the same set of stairs 17 times. In heels, <laughs> it was scary. But then at the end, she's managed all the flights of stairs in her heels, well done, and then at the bottom trips over and there's a good-looking Aussie larrikin bloke on a motorbike or to whisk her away. To quote one of my co-viewers, oh, thank God, a white person. That's exactly what I've ever said, literally word for word when we were watching this. Thank yep. God, a white person. Yes. I've never seen the white saviour trope played so literally. Oh. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. And they seem to be together for days before they introduce themselves. By the way, anyone listening, we live in Australia. <laughs> That's a self accursed cockatoo. You're welcome. Are you all right there? Some men are chasing me. Are they bigger than me? No, but there are more of them. Look, oh, climb aboard, quick. <laughs> Impose on you to give me a little hand upstairs. <laughs> How can I refuse? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so begins the journey to the twenty-second floor. <laughs> Thank you, madam. You realise you're quite safe. Well, yes, honor. I know. <laughs> I think I'm too drunk to even raise a finger. <laughs> Yes, I know. What a wonderful way to get your fuel gas. And this is my bed. 
And doesn't it look beautiful? So rescued by a white person from the scary Asian people, although I will say the racist, there's no racism in this. There's genuinely not. There's no overt racism. There's no overt racism. But look who pretty much all the sympathetic characters. That is absolutely true. and But again, I'd stamp 1979 on this, I'd say. Oh, yeah. It's not overt racism, but it's pretty present. Yeah, but you don't have Sean Connery in littered makeup with big false teeth or, or you know. So you don't have white people playing Asian stereotypes, is that what you're saying? Yeah, but you don't have overtly Asian-Asian stereotypes either, even as late as, say... Because it's a Hong Kong ad, it's a cosmopolitan thriving city. Well, that's exactly it, yeah, that's the point I'm trying to say, is that the guys are obviously in love with the place. Uh, I mean, you look even at the original Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, there's sequences in that where they take the, what does an Arab person look like, to these horrible extended, you know, right to the very edge, you know, there's a sequence where Marion's being captured by a guy and he smiles and he has terrible teeth and the big knife and it's just it's it's a cliched over the topness sure so there's none of that in this there's hong kong is an amazing place to film and these are the amazing people that are in it is the vibe i got from this one so so aussie bloke she jumps in the back of his motorcycle they go to his hotel then he says i'm really feeling this we had no idea what he's talking about until it turns out he's drunk as so he was riding under the influence no helmet in a busy city i want to know 1979 i want to know what he was drinking that didn't hit him until, until he got, he got off the That's right. <laughs> so the, the alcohol-absorbing pill dissolves under his tongue and he finally gets hammered by all the alcohol. Actually, what film is that? What? Somebody puts a, an alcohol-absorbing pill under their tongue. It's some spy film and they actually can drink it and it absorbs all the alcohol I and then they accidentally no, swallow the tablet I... and get hammered in 30 seconds. Oh, my God, I have no idea. That sounds fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> the hero being you meant to spit the pill out. Yeah, so suddenly he's incredibly drunk and can barely stand. And passes out on the bed. And so she's like, yeah, cool, I'm just going to go to sleep here, I guess. You're just going to hang out yeah. at your place for... Don't even know your name. And... Nothing about you at all. And again, who are you? Are you going to steal me? Eat me? Whatever. I actually yelled, Introduce yourself you? at any point. Yeah. That I actually would be yelled, nice. who are you, at one point. I think about halfway through I think the romance montage. Did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So... He asks, what are you doing for the next few days? She says, spending them with you, I guess. I don't think they've even exchanged names no, at that point. No, they still haven't exchanged names at that point. And she said, well, I'll call home for some clothes. And then we cut to the, like, where they're out playing oh, and having fun. Oh, and then he fun. says, what will come like, not too many clothes, I hope. Oh, that's right. Well, but the she... art clearly didn't send clothes because she's wearing something she made out of the quilt. <laughs> yeah. Little... I was going to say that oh, auntie's just trolling her. And she said, send me some clothes. He goes, well, if you're not going to visit properly, I'll send you some freaking clothes. Yeah, that's oh, right. You're going to get your end away. Here are some overalls that look, yeah, absolutely. Here's Colin Baker's jacket in overall form. <laughs> so Here's something Do- Maria Von Trapp knocked up for you in so the corner. Doctor Who. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, considering how much we pan some of the dialogue, his delivery of, here's my bed. Oh, and doesn't it look wonderful? Oh, uh, yeah, we actually, actually got really a cute. genuine laugh. Yeah, that, yes. that actually was kind of funny because, well, yeah, you're going, oh, it's a bed. Oh, he's sleeping on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah genuine laughs. Yeah, did actually give that props to that. And so she's discovered sex with men and with women, but now it's, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. I'm so emotional. Now it's time oh, okay. to discover love. And sex with somebody you love, and that's just a completely different experience. Mm. And that's, that's her entire arc. 
Apparently, um, love sex is much more hairily buttered. He uh, does have quite the hairy buttocks. He has very... All guys... No, all guys. Most guys have hairy legs. Totally, totally get that. She had hairy legs. Hairy butts. She did, actually. She had some fuzz. There was was fuzz that made appearance. Uh, And, in fact, one of the couples who were... She only had hairy legs up the top, though. Yeah, that kind of weird little light fur that you only sort of see under certain lighting Mm. and stuff. Well, there used to be some people you'd, you'd only shave to the knee because otherwise you were just... Mm. Yeah, that's right. To the knee or just above. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he's got very hairy butter. The bow chicka wow wow music in oh. the sex scenes with Miles are fucking amazing because in each situation they cut at one point to yakety sax level craziness with the horns. You have to listen to it. It's... Ridiculous music. If we're very then... lucky, Auntie Daria will splice some of that yes. music. sex scene, it's lovely and sexual, and then all of a sudden, bang, and then the next minute, back to notional sex, and we're meant to take it seriously, and none of the sex scenes contain a comedic break. Oh my um, god, we missed completely over I was Houston, say, the lingerie shop. Oh, Housen. Oh. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's a really good point. The auntie looking after the innocent daughter, loading her up with sexy lingerie. Sorry, yeah, you're right, we forgot about that. Okay, so... One of the first thing Auntie does to ensure that her niece is safe. Because and... Callum actually asked me if this is a thing that chicks do. No, we don't just get undressed in front of each other and hug and discuss. I was like, I was like, do you guys have under- conversations with yeah. Yeah. No, we don't. No. And once under, it'd have to be pretty nasty before you'd say, oh, we have to replace that. Yeah. I, well, she says that they're. Prehistoric, I think, is the word she uses, or I something don't along those what lines. It was. But yeah, she then sort of takes her out, takes her niece that she is responsible for. I, I need to keep coming back to <laughs> as an uncle, as an uncle of school age nieces. This is the person. This is only ten years older than your niece. Ah, this is the <laughs> person entrusted with the care of her niece. Seventeen years old, a minor, takes her to. Oh, but she doesn't drink or do drugs. Oh, well, she does. Well, so, you know, happy face. Well, she, does, she never gets to her rum and coke. No. Uh, yeah, the, because the, he buys Bacardi. Bacardi and coke. Oh, then she goes to fool around. Yeah. yeah, but he brings it and then they just go on and fool around. Yeah. yeah. It, it vanishes, actually. It's magically not there in that one particular cut. So, and we can't work out if John Michael Halston is gay or not. Yeah, actually, I was <laughs> going to point out, I was going to point this out. This is, this is a, I'm not going to give the movie credit because it's just absolutely just not a... I like the Callum's waving his fingers at me because I'm the queen of gay. No, no, no. Actually, it's... How do they look? Beautiful. They fit okay. Yes, the fit's all right, but the colour's all wrong, 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 wrong. For you, my little devil, it's got to be... Black. Perfect. What about a bra? Absolutely, and that's got to be black too. Oh, 
darling, I have some exquisite night where you must say, positively delectable. He's so cunning, he makes you feel extravagantly naughty and loving at home. Is he a homosexual? I can never be sure. He seems to enjoy his work so much. <laughs> so, John Michael Housen, in this movie, he plays... He's an underwear merchant. Well, he's, I notionally, I think he's actually all the female clothing, but of course all we see is the underwear because that's what they're there for. Crazy camp. Massively over-the-top, are-you-being-served levels of camp. But then portrayed as being knuckle-bitingly excited by Felicity. Felicity's body. So I, I'm genuinely curious. No, no, go c- continue your point. I'll come back to mine. And I, I want to know what? if this is a thing. I know where you, I know why you're pissing yourself laughing. And I, I, no, you're not. okay, maybe not. I had this conversation with someone just the other day. Admittedly, another straight person. Being crazy camp. Will you be our diverse friend? <laughs> I need to tick the box. <laughs> I'm the queen of backdoor gay. <laughs> Sorry, how do you have that? I... (laughs) Being crazy camp but straight seems like a dichotomy in my head. It has to be a thing, right? I mean, it must be, yeah. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, there are crazy camp straight people. Yeah, yeah. It'd be quite good to put women off guard too. Well, that's the thing. And this is actually the point that the movie goes with. Because I actually... Oh, she actually comes straight out and says, is he a homosexual? And there was something separate to that I wanted to point out. She's been raised by nuns. She's been raised by Catholic nuns. To ask so matter-of-factly, is he a homosexual? As opposed to asking, is he a homosexual? (gasps) I mean, bisexuality is a thing. Felicity does show us that a number of times. I just wonder if the writers probably... I just wonder what the fuck place you in where you try on underwear. This is not a thing that you do. I've only Uh, ever done it in a one-shot ever in my life. And even then there was a little sign that said... Leave your previous underwear on while you try on this underwear. Please, please. I think they had like women's uh, ones have a sticker sometimes. The the place I tried on, they actually had two dollar like bonds undies thing. Like you bought a pair oh, for two dollars, right. and it was like you know like a pair of budgie smugglers, and you put them on first, so the minimal amount of yeah, sure, sure, sizing. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, that was the thing that was trying an underwear is not a thing. Okay, isn't it? No, it is absolutely okay. not a thing. So you don't just randomly try on underwear from naked and you don't have conversations with boobs out? No, that's Excellent. correct. Right. Cool. Uh, for what it's worth, if you're in a male toilet, you stare straight ahead and you don't talk to the person next to you. That's just weird. So that was a very weirdly bizarre scene and it was interesting that she actually asked the question, which I suppose would have been on anybody's voice watching. It's just like, if he's playing what at the time would have been seen to be a massively gay character... Why is he so interested in the fact that she then articulates, is he gay? Um, the thing I was giggling at was that someone I was watching with just said, well, maybe he just likes pubes. Ah, uh, like it. Like it. So you've missed the Occam's razor here. I have, yes. <laughs> yes. But perhaps he's... There's a pair of underwear that she rejects in that shop, but later, I say she stole them, because later she's wearing them when they have sex on the tram. They're the ones he takes off her with the and little yellow ribbon ties. And for what it's worth, uh, the two of us mutually decided the green underwear was actually quite sexy. There's green underwear mm. with a little gold clasp, clasp on the hip. Thing. Yeah, I did wonder about why side fasting underwear, but we soon found out why we had that. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> it's a bit like those stripper pants that you get that's apparently got Velcro all the way down the seam, so you can just sort of roof yes, them out. Yes, that's right. Good morning. 
Thank you. Ah, I'm afraid the morning's been and gone. What time is it then? Oh, a bit after three. Oh, dear. You really needed that sleep. How long have you been up? Oh, I guess an hour. I've been watching you. Really? If you catch someone in the moment of waking up, sometimes, just for an instant, you see them exactly as they were when they were a baby. That's nonsense. I know, but it sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> no, to tell the truth, I couldn't wait to find out who you are. Oh, yes, last night. Mm, last night? I'm afraid I don't remember very much about it. You're a complete mystery. I know nothing about you. So Felicity has now finally met Miles. Uh, very quickly, Miles, Chris Milne, again, another one of those what we call hickers, hates that guy. Tons and tons and tons of Aussie movies and series. I mean, pretty much um, Prisoner for Snowblock H, Sons and Daughters, you name it. He's, he's appeared as, you know, Dead Body 4 or something, <laughs> just about anything. If ever you get the chance, in my opinion, the best, the pinnacle of Australian comedy was a TV series called The Games, uh, which was Oh, two... yes, did you know... Did you know he was in the games? I did. Because this is yeah. this is twenty years later. So two season mockumentary about the run up to the Olympic Games in Sydney in two thousand. Very much yes minister style. Very yes minister. Mm. Uh, genius writing of John Clark again valet and Brian Dore, who were two political commentators who used to have a, a segment every week where Brian Dore would interview John Clark as a particular politician or or uh, celebrity person. The catch being that it was all about the dialogue because neither of them were wearing costumes. John Clark would just simply be... Yes, I am the finance minister, or yep. yes, I am the minister for racing, or... With no change to the way he spoke or his attitude no. or anything. Absolute genius. They made a TV series. It was two seasons. In, I think, the second season, there is an episode where Coca-Cola is demanding that the games organising committee make good on their promise of tickets for money, and it turns out that one of the chief athletes is going to change her name to Pepsi, and a deal is struck behind the scenes by John Clark to ensure that Pepsi is not allowed to run under their name. Chris Milne plays Bernard Milne, the lawyer for I think he's the, I think he's the lawyer for the Coke. lawyer for Pepsi, oh, the lawyer for Pepsi rather uh, Coke rather or, than Pepsi or, or Pepsi one one of the two, <laughs> and is actually uh, really vicious. It might actually not be that. It's he might be the lawyer for. Pepsi, the act. Watch the, the whole thing till you find it. It's, it's really, really worth it. But yeah, very different character. Very, very different character for them. Uh, yeah, and his name in that one is Bernard Milne. Uh, and there's a point in the uh, in the series where the, in the episode where they're introduced to each other. The other lawyer being George, and John Clark says George. George Bernard. Bernard. Sure. Oh. I know. <laughs> um, Felicity's with Miles now. Felicity's with Miles. She is in love. He is in guy love, sort of removed love, but he does seem to be falling in Smith. He does. He does say there. he's the youngest person that's known as a dirty old man all throughout the Pacific or whatever. So it is. he notionally has a reputation, but they have their romance montage. Oh my god! So we always talk about the hour mark. Not that these two movies are in that particular, you know writing scenario. When they were made, it was still very early, so the, the language of the one-hour mark wasn't necessarily established. But the line at the one-hour mark on this one, so they're having dinner, he's just said what a cad he is. She really doesn't say much of that. She's like, yep, let's shag. She rises to his cadness. She basically 
He says, I'm, I'm a bit of a womanizer, and she says, well... I'm a woman. Nice me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I want that to be sex invitation from now on. Nice me. Nice me, <laughs> <Nies> me harder. <laughs> oh my, you're amazing. I need nizing. Nizing. Sorry. Um, she's like, yep, let's go for it. Oh, you wrote the line down, though, didn't you, Callum? Oh, yes. Because she puts okay. her... Her shoeless foot in his groin. So all the love, romance, sex, so hot for it. Footing groin. And the line is... Let's get into the prawns. Let's get into the prawns. <laughs> so they're, they're sharing a meal on a uh, floating restaurant, which, yet again, is another one of those things in Hong Kong that's apparently not there anymore. And, yeah, so there's sort of... It's a bit of euphemistic commentary over the dinner and using the chopsticks and all of that fun stuff. And, yeah. Let's get into the prawns. That's how Aussies do romance. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting little side note, the two actors had just had a massive argument that day and that were really angry at each other <laughs> in that sequence. So I'm not going to suggest for a second that this is an amazing movie, but it does show the professionalism of both of them that they actually managed to pull off kind of flirty romance in a way. Yeah, anyway, they do their romance montage lead, leading into sex montage, have a wonderful, wonderful time, and then he has to go. Oh, no, before that, they're in a lift. Oh, oh yeah. Fucking Gee, lift. Who is the woman in... Okay, so they're in a lift, they're just like 22 floors. She's like, yeah, that's plenty of time. Doesn't tell off for him, does it? But they get up the top of the lift and a woman walks in on the 22nd floor and says, what a lovely looking couple or something. But she looks so familiar. She reminds me of Ida Buttrose. Mm. You had nothing? She looked like that kind of person to me, but I didn't, she didn't strike me as a particular person. As anyone in particular. Sure. We also got a going down joke. Yeah, we yes, did. Yes, we down did. Joke. And then they're a lovely couple, apparently. So yes, yeah, so the long and the short of it is... That would be mayhem and moment playing yeah. with a loud toy. There are the kittens. So the overarching <clears throat> point about this is that Felicity, insofar as she hasn't up to now, she's now fully claimed her sexuality. She's yes. using it, she is owning it, and she is absolutely saying this is an aspect of the relationship. She wants him in the restaurant. She wants him on a tram. In she, the street. I wish in I the elevator. A, yeah, this is a very <laughs> Dr. Seuss level. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, I want that, you in the tram. This, this note... I couldn't work out why I'd written this note, does she have a head injury? <laughs> and I realised it must be this scene because suddenly she is just desperate to have it right now. Oh my god, I'm on she, the tram. She's in the going street, to have to learn patience at some point, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, and it does remind me of a, there's occasional acquired neural conditions where people just become super, super randy. Mm. Oh, right. You know, nymphomania is, is famously one of those things that sounds incredibly good, incredibly awesome, but is actually terrible to live with. Actual nymphomania is genuinely terrible, you know, yes. constantly needing to. You know, honestly, getting off with pretty much every interaction in any environment is, is awful, supposedly. Should we try and wind up Felicity so we can go to the other one? So, yeah, so she's now fully into it. She loves sex. She's having a wonderful time. And as a bonus, she's meeting the love part two. Yeah, drags him onto a tram, tries to have sex with him, drags him into the elevator, tries to have sex with him. And then he has an assignment. So his job turns out to be photographer, apparently. Apparently. And he leaves her. And so she's stunned and weepy-eyed and it's He's terrible. gone for a few weeks. I mean, 
I know, right? Yeah. Two anyway. weeks, something. But, you um, know, first love, though, she yeah. does get over it when she sleeps with a bestie. So Yeah. So then she goes back to the aunt and uncle's house, finally, who, by the way, have totally sodded off somewhere else in the meantime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Mei Ling comforts her with sex. Yeah. Which Now, is that a thing that happens between girlfriends? Uh, no. That is really? not breakup sex, no. No? You, you don't? You don't break up with someone and then have sex with your friend again? No, no. that's not breakup sex. So exactly. you, don't, you don't go for sexy massages together? Uh, that's correct. You don't talk to each other with bare boobs? That's correct. And you don't just have makeup lesbian sex to comfort each other. No, that's also correct. The pillow fights are true, right? Unfortunately, I'm I'm sorry to have to let you know this, but no. Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so mailing gives you do go to the bathroom out. together though. Oh, uh, oh god, yes, we absolutely do that. Which interestingly was a point of contention between Glory and uh, John De Lamont. The actress felt that the lesbianism was actually something that wouldn't happen because to a certain extent, this was sold as a semi-realistic attempt to, to portray sexual awakening, something we've, we've all been through at various levels of whatever. I mean, obviously, this is a film trying to kind of put it all together in a, a couple of weeks. Insofar as they would have had artistic differences, Glory felt that the lesbianism was purely male fantasy pornography. And she actually felt... It, well, which, of course, it was, absolutely. It is, yeah. And she was saying she didn't know how she felt about doing it because there are actual lesbians out there and is this cheapening things for them so i just thought wow that's a pretty awesome attitude. that's incredibly progressive for 1978 to, yeah. for an actress as she says herself fresh out of acting school to have that kind of an awareness of i don't want to upset the kind of people for whom this might not seem real. and then there was the discussion of fantasy and the guy what's his name on the commentary Miles. director's oh, commentary uh, john, john oh john john dillamont was talking about the fantasy of two women being together and she's agreeing that could be a fantasy and then says, but what about two blokes? And um, he's just like, yep, yeah, no, definitely not. Mm. And she's like, yeah, first time I saw it, I was kind of curious, but no, and also mm. didn't find that attractive. Yeah. And so between them, they seem to have come up with this discussion that women don't find two men making out attractive. Maybe well, they just out, don't. Having sex. She's no, they were talking about kissing. No, no, no. She specifies oh, okay. that it's only she don't she wouldn't want to see the oh she said she of the I act. don't want to see the whole thing that's mm -hmm. right yeah and that's actually a thing so it's like I just think she was watching the two wrong men kissing mm. so there are certain beats <laughs> oh my god this gets into incest yeah there are certain beats no pun intended uh, that porn films follow and most porn will usually have a lesbian scene in some point I mean I've actually made the comment in the past that technically speaking. Just about every generic porn film passes the Bechdel test because two women who are principal characters oh, right. in the film have an interaction that doesn't directly revolve around a male. Yeah, um, sure. But that's only because insert lesbian scene here. Yeah. And it does seem to be a thing that, for whatever reason, male fantasy often includes two girls. Because there are twice as many boobies. You know why. There's no, I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pure aesthetics. It's yeah. honestly pure. And I've spoken to straight women who agree that the female form is more aesthetically pleasing than the male form. I wonder how much of that is society that you will get, you know, ripped, chiseled, Ryan Reynolds, Brad Pitt abs on magazines. But you'll get so many more Charlize Theron's and, uh, you know. Because there are... The female form is, is portrayed as the beauty, whereas... The and we're told is... what what we should like in a female form. Yeah, we're not exactly. told what to like in a male form. No, no. Other than abs, apparently. 
Mm. Abs are apparently a big thing, and supposedly at the moment that v, oh that V shape that goes thing. into the undies. Although I mean they do, I mean they try to they try to dial it back. The dad bod's apparently a big thing at the moment. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. You know, tell that to everyone. You know, not selling the dad bod and seeing another issue with Ryan Reynolds. God damn you, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> if he was a prick, if he was horrible. Oh no, doesn't he seem so, awesome though? It's like The Rock. God damn. Oh, Jason Momoa. Horrible? Yes, kick kittens for the love the, the of God. Give the rest of us kittens. a chance. Kick kittens. Well, Jason Momoa was ripping up Amber Heard's book. Was he? Yeah. Excellent. What's Amber Good. Heard's book? A book she was reading. Oh, right. Not yeah. a book yes. by Amber Heard. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. No. But yes. That, that was my confusion. That's fine. That's fine. Like, Ryan maybe it was a bad book. Just do something terrible so we can hate you, don't look like that, and be like that, and be that talented, and also be nice. Fuck you. <laughs> well, you're right there, Cal. I'm fine now. Need a drink? No, I'm good. You good? <laughs> Alrighty. So yeah, so it's all about the aesthetics, and uh, so lesbian scene occurs, which is apparently comforting to the innocent. Which I keep coming back to the innocent. I don't even know if we can still call Three it innocent. Well, yeah, yeah. Catholic school. Well, we don't even have a sense of time. No, we don't actually. I mean, they have no sense yeah. of time no, whatsoever. It's, it's a Delorean TARDIS movie. Also, it really is. she says Hong Kong is so beautiful at night. It's in the morning. It's bright as day. That's just a weird thing to say. It's so beautiful at night. You missed it. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) But don't worry, it'll be along again in about a minute and a half. Everything will be fine. All right, Miles has gone away. So she decides she has to follow him. Yes. Because that's sane. So she's chasing love now. He convinces Maylene to take her to... uh, I don't know the name uh, of the town. I didn't really catch it. I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, The town that they want to go to. Uh, but where he Mi- said that Milling hasn't be. been there before either. No. But heard has heard it's quite wild. They get there, and then there is a really weird sequence. So they arrive, and they're watching a live sex show in a pub. Yeah, they both doll themselves up, and Mailing has obviously dolled herself up to go out and hit the town, have a wonderful time. She's in one of the what's the name of the dress? It's like Chongsan. Chongsan. Yeah, Chongsan dress. So Asian high collar, very short, but with a split up the side as well for the leg. I'm I'm pointing out because I keep forgetting microphones. They then go to this pub which has a live sex show, which is apparently the two people involved were genuinely did sex shows and they brought them in to do Yeah, a yeah, I think were they doing one like right next door or something? Uh, apparently so. Yeah. I think since then supposedly one of them has transitioned as well. So I'm not too sure yeah, about right. it. Yeah, right. And they do the sex show. Meeling, who is helping Felicity find the man of her dreams, just says, says "No, nah, I'm off to find some action." Well, kid, I'm off to find some action. I'll see you back here later. If not, back at the hotel. Okay. I hope I can find my way back there. Excellent. Yeah, Joy. She's just gonna I'm just going to leave you here. Yeah. A, a blink and you miss it moment happens, and if you watch and we're it, not even sure, and we've watched it twice, and we've watched the commentary. We've listened to the commentary. At about one hour and 20 minutes in, a white man and woman get up and walk out of that bar, and apparently that's meant to be Miles. She doesn't say anything or react in any way. You see her watch the couple leave. Did yeah, you did get you get anything yeah. from this? Did you get that at all? No. Because when she's talking to Meeling later, she says, oh, I saw Miles. She's like, why yeah. did you tell me? Yeah, that's what happened in that oh. bar. Yeah, that moment. You honestly blink and miss There's it. There's half a second, This we think this white bloke, that walks out the door must be Miles because it's right before she goes to fool around with the bartender. Yeah. Because oh, I don't think fooling around meant shagging. I thought fooling around was well, fooling around less intercoursey. Yeah. I think that, that's, that's how I took it too. 
Yeah. Heavy. And so she suddenly feels empowered to have vengeance sex. And we want to point out, we only, after we went back, after she mentioned to Mei Ling and said, oh, I saw him, it's like, did we see him? Is that the moment? Yeah. So suddenly out of the blue, she suddenly decides to have random sex with a random stranger who promises to buy her a drink because he's the He's the bartender. He poured um, her a drink. She didn't drink it. Uh, she has a what in in Australia is is romantically known as a knee trembler, which is standing sex in a an inconvenient the wall. place. Yeah. Which she then describes to Meeling later as, as a being, nose zipper or something. Yeah, as like a, a nose zipper or or a zipperless truck or something, which is apparently out of uh, fear of flying. She says that she had no emotional joy out of it, but she physically enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and we revisit this whole hedonism thing. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Meeling says it's something to do with hedonism, and it's like, well, what the fuck have you been doing with Felicity up until now? Yeah. And what oh, the that's, fuck that's is her education. Yeah. She says she can't watch these two lesbians making out because it's all about pleasure and, and nothing else. Again, this is another one of those moments where cart before the horse. What the fuck have you been doing up to this point? I, mm, yeah. They want a very, very weird tangent put everything here. This is when I suddenly remembered this was the word that November and I couldn't think of while watching Logan's Run like oh 15 years ago. <laughs> hedonism? Yeah. Why were you... What was it about Logan's Run that made you think about hedonism? Have you seen Logan's Run? I have. They were wearing very sexy outfits. I know that. Yeah, and they keep having sex and doing drugs. Well, yeah, but that's because they don't need to worry because after... They're they going to die at 35. 35? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're doing pleasure for pleasure's sake. Ah. And we were we were trying to describe the pleasure for pleasure's sake, and we just couldn't think of that damn word. Yeah. (laughs) And so that stayed with me all this time until someone said hedonism in another movie. Nice. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) So she's she's angry at him. She has angry sex. She enjoys angry sex. And the one thing I will say about this, and the one thing I'll say. One of the things I will say about this film is it pretty much presents every type of sexual encounter you will have. You have the unsatisfying encounter. You have the satisfying encounter. You have the unemotional sexual encounter. You have the deeply emotional sexual encounter. There is pretty much a tick box of all the various types of sexual interaction you will likely have in your life, all encapsulated in, was it 90... Something three odd minutes. Yeah, I. If you look at sort of what real people experience sexually over their time, you can often point at a particular sexual experience and say, "Well, this is sort of." I mean, obviously, because we're talking the real world, it's analog, it's spectrum. You you wombled into the other, and so on. But you do pretty much cover the spectrum of what you're likely to encounter sexually with somebody through the course of the film. The experiences, not the individual acts. Right. But. I didn't enjoy this, but I did enjoy this. This was really awesome, but it was completely anonymous. This was really great. Imagine it what it's going to be like when she discovers what foreplay is. I know, actually. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so the one thing we do miss is foreplay. But yeah, I will I will give the movie props for... Um, We've established she's impatient, so... Well, yeah, there's oh, that. Yeah. That's true. She heads off. We think she's obviously done with him. She mentions to Mei Ling that she, she saw, saw him... him with another woman. Which was and news to the audience first time around because I've got yeah. a note here that says... Well, even in the... Oh, but God. I found him and I've written, somehow! <laughs> <laughs> even in the audio 
audio commentary she's in, and I think that's meant to be Miles there or something like that. Yeah. Like she's she's really vague about it in the commentary. Hello, mm. kitten. Are it you really helping? feels like there's a bit missing, but yeah, yeah. That, that was what we thought as well. I genuinely thought when she says to Meeling the first time round, "Did you find him?" Well, yes, I did. You know, wistful back of the hand on the forehead. And November and I looked at each other and we're like, "Was that meant to be him?" him? Yeah, and we actually we, had to we go back, back with the commentary before that was actually clear. So yeah, failing there. No. Oh, don't step on the keyboard, kitty cat. Poorly executed. You can step on um, most of the other things. And then, yeah, she decides that for whatever reason she needs to find Miles, and so she walks all the way to Melbourne. Yes, she does, <laughs> yes. To a beach. In the winter. And sees him like... Because some random kid delivers a random note yeah. that says... God, that's right. The man you were looking for is here. Yeah, some we have over... no further information on that at all. Some lef- leftover Baker Street irregular just appears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't even get that he was one who wrote the note. I got that he was delivering it for someone else. I'm what? Oh, fucking... I didn't get that Miles wrote the note. No. Oh no, no, not Miles. No, oh, right. not the kid either. No, I got not, that well, some... no, not the yeah, kid. The kid was clearly the delivery boy. Yeah. Apparently, in this missing scene. She also established a spy network. Yes. I mean, an entire other movie <laughs> is missing from the. You could go back and you could. Okay, it doesn't really matter. It could be five minutes. Yeah, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, this entire movie. <laughs> well, there was going to be a sequel. Maybe it was going to be set in that missing bit. That well, there going to be two sequels, two sequels. Yeah, no, she was meant to go to... Where was she going to go to? She was going to go to... Well, there was going to be another Felicity in name of X country here, and there was going to be Felicity in the Garden, Garden of, of Earthly Delights or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So she finds Miles, who's in a shack, who's in a bathtub full of ice, and he's had his kidney removed. <laughs> no, that was the alternate director's cut. That oh, that was my imagination. Yeah, yeah right, he had a snake um, bite. And so then she ate him. A sea, a sea snake bite, can I just point out, which the most venomous snake in the world is actually a sea snake. Yes. Um, it's, uh, I think... But he doesn't go to a doctor, he goes to actually, a local no, cure. Let me, let me retract that just on the off chance, because the Death Adder has apparently got one of the most intense venoms. But sea snakes are crazy venomous. Yeah, they're insane. venomous. So if you're bitten by a sea snake that affects you in any way, shape or form... Say goodbye to all your little friends. Pretty much, yes. But he apparently gets over that through the power of love. Traditional medicine. Yeah, this is where we do veer into some racial stereotypes because this exotic Asian man yes. has... Strange herbs and brews. That oh, can... except the person in front of the shack that he's in is the director's wife in Chinese fisherman clothes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and this is where I will actually say that they did a pretty decent job of editing because all the way through the film. So the film is shot in Hong Kong and in Australia. They did all the Hong Kong shooting first. They came back to Australia. They did the rest of it on, on sets. And there are moments where they literally walk off a street in Hong Kong into a set in Melbourne and back and forth. Yeah. But this last section, the level of we're here, we're there, we're here, we're there, they're in Melbourne. Anytime you see the beach or the sea, they're in Melbourne. Anytime you see the interior, they are in a sound stage, possibly in Melbourne, or they may be in Hong Kong. And anytime you see them interacting no, they're in with the Melbourne, in the sound stage, well, no, 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 there's there's a point on a bed apparently that might still be in Hong Kong that they actually did some pickups. I'm no, not it's not sure. in Hong Kong. That's so, on the sound stage too. Oh, okay, cool. Because what you're meant to look for is apparently the actress got a little bit tubbier on the Australian cuisine. And so she's... She wasn't used to Australian portion sizes. No, mm-hmm. and so she's thin. Then, you know, when we're talking... Mm, a couple of grams, maybe. And, and we're talking actor-level perception of self-type 
thin and not thin. There's, the, you know, the interaction with the Asian medicine uh, person is apparently in Hong Kong, and then they're back in Melbourne. So yeah, so that last ten minutes of the movie is bang, 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 bang. It's time travel. She's with him. They have another kind of montage, sort of. He gets better, and and she tells him that better. he should have a beard. Then I'd fancy you with a beard. You'd look very pretty. I'm not pretty now. <laughs> My father had a beard. It was almost white. I used to love to feel the bristles. He'd pick me up in his arms, and I'd push my face into it. It felt beautiful. He used to bring me these boiled lollies. They were monstrous. They were so big I couldn't put them in my mouth. <laughs> I remember I used to call them um, gobstoppers. Oh yes, God, Bennett, this big. Uh, He'd suck them down until they were just the right size, and then he'd bend over and kiss me. Then he would kiss her, transferring the gobstopper into her mouth. And we're going, was he your daddy or like your daddy? <laughs> daddy or zaddy? <laughs> yeah, that was. Mm, don't wonder he gives her a lot of money to go away. Yeah. Oh, that got dark. <laughs> yes, that was disturbing. Ooh, it's, it, it's Findom. Have you just learned about Findom? Maybe Findom. Findom. What's, What's Findom? that? Financial domination. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Do you not know about that? Well, she does now. Oh. You'll never get anything from me. Give me all your money, and I'm going to hold the fact that you're giving me all your money over you, and I'm going to go and spend it. I only learned about it a few weeks ago, and in true Barter Minor fashion, it seems to be popping up everywhere I look. So. Oh, good on those enterprising young women. <laughs> and men, I suppose. Mm. No doubt. So he's supposedly recovering on a, a beach shack in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. It's actually a beach shack that's been built in Victoria midwinter, which can I just point out for those who only have a sort of a passing knowledge of Australia, it gets cold in Australia and winter in Melbourne is vicious. They it's not were... as bad as it is here in Canberra. Not quite at all, but white. Although we're not adding a sea breeze to that effect. That's because correct. They actually because go they into go the in the water, and it's she, it's a reason she doesn't take her dress off. It's so damn cold. Yeah, he's a dress on the, the pr- fact that he had a penis at all. The director yelled out, "What was it? It's just like a cock, cock but smaller. It's like a cock, but yeah, it looks like a cock, but the wrong scale or something. I can't remember. What it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just because it was so damn cold, and the fact that he has anything at all is very impressive. <laughs> And they... The they, end. She, well, not quite, because she then asks him, then does the equivalent of we should be together, and he's like, oh, let's mm, look at that about tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which sounds like such such a, oh, no, commitment. Fucking yeah. guy reaction. And I, okay, there are 237,457 reasons why women should be pissed off at their portrayal of themselves in film. It's true, I counted. I will say there is a one thing that men should absolutely fucking be ropeable about about their portrayal in film, fear of commitment. Yeah. Guys, don't always fear commitment. Some of us, yeah, so this cliche of the commitment-phobic guy, oh, so angry-making. But yeah, he does. He says, eh, we'll leave that till tomorrow. And can I just say that, again, because we're in Christopher Nolan time-verse of we don't know how many days have passed. Yep. The idea that this is a thing they're now saying, what about tomorrow? Why the fuck didn't you just show tomorrow? You've already shown... Because we don't want to answer the question. We've already shown enough individual days. No, we need to leave it open for the sequels. 
Yeah, I'm pretty uh-huh. sure that if we'd got to the sequels that she would have found a Dear Felicity letter because we don't want to see her in just one do. We want to see her going to whichever country and partaking of the population. Yeah, so That's tomorrow right. is her standing on a street corner with all of her stuff while he drunkenly veers off on that motorcycle of his <laughs> that we never see again. Oh, yeah, good point. Um, so this is why I think we'd, we'd have a Dear Felicity letter because we wouldn't have to pay the guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. right. Oh, um, my God. Okay, just one weird story. And I think it was, this was on the audio commentary Callum I'm pointing to because he was paying more attention to this than I was. Uh, I think it was a white man in the barge. There was a woman shagging him. And he went into an audition. He was the last one into an audition. Yeah. Please take over. So they were auditioning for the lead of this particular film. Oh, it was for the lead, right. It was for the lead. Okay. And John DeLamond and and a couple of other people were there. And they started with the whole, okay, how are you with nudity? How are you with this? Uh, and they were continually getting a little bit of knockback and everything. And it got to the point where they got to the end of the, the auditioning scenario. Uh, yeah, the auditioning over the day. And they were so over. And they were, like, as vague as fuck. And this guy walks in and he says, so is this where the interview is? And the guy goes, oh, I can't see another person. Yes, okay, this is where the interview is. Uh, and the guy's like, okay, so so what's the go? And he said, okay, well, this will involve travel, and you'll go to Hong Kong, and it'll be working with really nice people, and you'll really like it. He's gone, okay, that sounds really, really good. And then, and then the guy So says, how do you feel about simulated sex scenes? Yeah, and simulated sex scenes. And the guy's gone, what? And he said, yeah, you know, simulation of sex. You know, and he said, why would I have any trouble with simulated sex? That sounds like something that's sort of just not a... And he goes, yeah, 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 that's fine. Now, are you okay with full frontal nudity? He goes, why would I need to be naked? <laughs> and he's like... Well, because this is a film about sex. And they're like, what do you mean film? I'm here for the... The pilot job. The pilot job? <laughs> or the air steward job? And supposedly in the building they were conducting these interviews, there were like three or four others, and this guy just randomly walked in. And apparently he was really handsome and he would have been, <laughs> yeah, he would have been great in the role, but no, um, he just wanted to be a pilot. <laughs> uh, speaking of pilot, I want to actually point one very quick one. Uh, coming from the aviation industry where I, I worked for the day job, there was something oh, the I approach. noticed. Yes, the dock footage of the plane coming into land. Mm. I wasn't too sure about this, but I thought it was what they called the Kai-Tac. Uh, the Kai-Tac approach. No, no, it wasn't the Kai-Tac approach. Kai-Tac was the aerodrome. It was the checkerboard approach. So, very quickly. Yep. Hong Kong, back in the 70s and 80s, the main airport was called Kai-Tac. It was an artificial island where they actually stuck a runway and they had what they called the checkerboard approach, which is a particular approach over the city. And there was a, a radar facility which actually had big black and white layers over the top on the hill. And what you did is you came in at a particular angle and you basically twitched the entire aircraft 90 degrees. You flew over the top of the city and there were two or three rooftop bars where you would literally almost be looking in through the windows of these aircraft. You'd fly right over the city and then you'd hit the runway and if you fucked it up, you were in the drink. in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. So you because actually... they had this crazy wind factor, didn't yeah. they? Like yeah. it was a wind tunnel. Basically. And that was one of the reasons you had to like really crank it hard. Yeah. And if you actually look up Kai Tak K A I space T A K on Google or YouTube, you'll see some insane approaches. I thought that was what the approach looked like, and sure enough, in the director's commentary, the director's actually talking about how it was a weird little airport to go to, and if you landed, you were going over the top of rooftop bars. So, yep. yeah, a lot of 
fun, that approach, apparently, and the aerodrome is no longer there, so they've, they've ripped because up. Because it was one of the most dangerous in the world. Pop. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> one of the most intense in the world. But if you ever get a chance, look up Kaitak Airport Approaches. Very interesting. Alrighty. So, a couple of things on this one. This was actually a successful film. The budget was about 170000 Australian. John Lamond actually used to say that they did this on a G-string budget. Oh, wasn't it classy? Uh, yeah. Yes. No, right? Pretty much everything I read about the film had to include that quote. Yeah. And they took, just in Australia, 532000 So it was a very profitable film. A lot of people, after the fact, have actually gone back and looked at it in the spirit of which it was supposedly intended and said it's actually not a terrible one. And, yeah, absolutely, exploitation. you thought you were walking into a porn film and you got a coming-of-age story. So the box ticking of getting something different to what you expected, I'd say, is well and truly ticked in this one. I would say this movie and Central Spread, I just want to be Emmanuel. This is a Aussie porn movie, a soft porn movie that you go to as a couple. It's meant to be, the men are meant to watch it anyway, it's meant to be acceptable to the women. I will say that given certain circumstances in my life at the moment, I can absolutely see this as a movie that I would be interested in sharing with somebody. I can totally see exactly what you're saying. You know, go and see this. The men notionally get titillation. The women notionally get a coming-of-age story. Or It's meant to be titillating you, for the women too. That's exactly what right. I'm saying. Or if you're not going to go down that incredibly narrow sexist road, it was more than I expected. It was I genuinely expected just porn scene to porn scene to porn scene. I mean, especially when you look at the poster for Felicity, the what umbrella of chosen as the image of this film of you know the schoolgirl. We had Australia pastoral yeah. innocence. Then we had sex Hong Kong postcard. Sex Hong Kong postcard. I will give it credit and kudos for the fact that I think it's slightly more than the sum of its parts. I was expecting some travelogue business because I'm aware of the genre it's very much trying to be a part of. Oh, okay. I'm not. Em so. Emmanuel and all its ilk. In fact, in Emmanuel 2, uh, our hero goes to Hong Kong. So. Ah, yeah. now I have not seen Emmanuel. So I have seen Story of O, uh, and I have seen some of the David Hamilton stuff. So the famous one being Billitus, which is another one of the Oh, you mentioned that a few times before watching it. Yeah, which interestingly has a soundtrack by Vangelis. I mean, it was a, oh. a relatively mainstream film for that genre but uh, yeah i haven't seen emmanuel so i haven't seen the thing it's taken its most direct feed from star rating i think for what it is i'll go three chocolate bars wow that was exactly the rating i was going to go for the uh not just the three but also the half suck bars bars um <laughs> i think yeah i think given what i went into expecting i am going to give this three Tied at the side undies. Actually, no, I know what I'll do. Yeah. Given the genre it was going for, I am going to give this three waist chains with no apparent method of detachment. <laughs> he owns her now. Except it's off later. That was another thing, literally word for word. He's also cheap. There's no way of taking it off. What the fuck is with that waist chain? And I will give it slightly less than two nipples. Um, <laughs> I thought it was quite average, but Glory Allen seems really nice. She's on the audio commentary. Mm -hmm. and, and, I she's down well. and I want to point something out very, very quickly, and this is actually really, really important, the context. John Lamont, famously, you can imagine him in your head as a kind of creepy movie producer, car salesman type person. 
given a lot of the It's certainly the, something he played too. Let's not Yeah. Let's not act as if we're just casting this upon him. This no. was a character he played in as much as his director plays Absolutely. a character. Absolutely. I mean, he, he made a point of... And, in fact, if you listen to the commentary, half of what he says is that, oh, you know, and all the, all the actors wanted to be there and all the extras were happy to step in for blah, blah, blah. Given things like Last Tango in Paris and other stuff, where we're beginning to learn now that so much of what you see on screen is horrible and terrible, in the director's commentary, Gloria Annan is really happy with the environment that she worked in she really she feels, seems really nice. She she seems really nice, and she seems to say that the environment was wonderful. Given how creepy this sort of thing could be in the time and the genre that it was in, it seems like it might have been a genuinely relatively nice production. And in the interview, she says that you wouldn't make it today, or probably a few years ago when no. the interview was made. No. Yeah. And. John makes comments about the point he actively wanted no violence. He says himself he's genuinely offended by swearing. So yeah, he's got no issues with sex, but can't watch Sex and City because they swear. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's Each worth to their own. being aware of the fact that whatever you might get from an intentional titillation point of view out of this, there is a sensibility there, and it doesn't seem like it was the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Well, my rating was based on it doesn't really pretend to be anything it's not. Yeah. You're not watching this and going, well, that was high art, and they just happened to put a few plot essential sex scenes in there. Speaking of sex, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is what it but, is on the box, but better than I expected. But there was still some terrible acting moments in it. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, there's also oh, reasons. Miles, I am so horny. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, now you know my secret. I almost wonder if she's genuinely just running through the lines. And so when yeah. the camera starts, they say, so you know my secret. It's now? What? Yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, that was it? Okay, right. Well, I guess we're done. Yeah. Lunch. Okay. <laughs> All um, right. And speaking of, we're done. I am going to do something, and I hope I can maintain the conviction of this. I'm going to do something which I never do in the real world, and I'm very aware of doing for this. Yes, Callum. I'm going to defend this movie. I've n- I never do this. I never do it, because I totally get that movies are subjective, and that subjective enjoyment is something which is... I am going to say, right out of the bat... I was honestly blown away by this movie and genuinely thought it was a hell of a lot better than it had any right to be. Let's give the people at home a taste of which movie we're talking about, shall we? Yes, No, we're going to give people the taste of the trailer for the movie we're talking about. Which I've not watched. I haven't either. (laughs) This is the future. They have eyebrows on their shoulders. Gerard is the photographer who must find and shoot the ultimate center spread. With a camera. The weird camera. Hell of a weird camera. I'm not sure the name Gerard is designed for that sort of pseudo Don LaFontaine announcement. I've seen lots of girls through. Also, they just call him Gerard. That's just the problem. They all look alike. We've seen them all before. What we're looking for is. Someone different, fresh, 
a new look. The problem is we don't know what to look for. We need a... A new look. That's like the song in the other movie. By the end, you're kind of over that. Vagina. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. The, the whole body. Yeah. This is the future. Let's grab that one. We want you to find her. Yeah, let's make this Mad Max. That was a shot of the clothing credits, wasn't it? <laughs> no, the, the shot with the car in the, on the road. With this though, yeah, actually, yeah, I, I kind of like the song with yeah. this, but in yeah. the life of Except for those lines I'm the goddess, I'm the princess. Scene, they don't even bother, they just cut off half the girl's heads. That's on the trailer, viewers. That's on the track. That's not Momental Mayhem doing a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's actually in the film as well. That's like shots from the movie. Something different. Something for the new century. And there are to find her. Center spread. Center spread. Watch all your dreams come true. <laughs> Center spread from 1981, which either has a budget of $600,000 or $125,000, because the internet couldn't decide. It was just one of those two figures. It was, yeah, all out of infinity. This wasn't much about this I could find. Center spread is a movie. Is a movie <laughs> I was genuinely... Surprised by I was too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it, it's worth mentioning at this point. November and I have been housemates for many, many years. 18 we're, we're years. Best friends. We get on really well. Mostly. And we get on okay. <laughs> we'll see how we go after this. And we just tend to connect on most things. And there's a click and it, it happens. It's very unusual for us to disagree on something that isn't like we know we've got the disagreement on um, Callum's 80s music and Love of Dire Straits. The 80s was the best era for music. After the 90s, I will accept now the 90s was the best, best era for music. And some movies. The 80s was the best for movies. I'm sorry. 80s movies are the best movies. They're not the best movies, but they're the best movies. <laughs> I went in, and I think this is it, it's possibly worth mentioning. I've seen movies that have been hyped to the max and really not enjoyed them. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound strange saying this, but bear with me. I know this. where you're going with this, and I'm embarrassed already. Go on. <laughs> okay. I am going to write down. I want to prove how how incredibly connected we are. All right. Daria, I need you to be Would you like me to write it on this piece on of this. paper? No. Okay, yes, yes. Write it on a piece of paper. I'm about to mention a movie that I have had about this in the past. Okay. They have both three this time, Don't leave me hanging. So, 
<laughs> the Spice World movie. I need to point this out. Now, this was a movie in the We have late... not been talking about this recently. There is no not reason this just came up. Yeah. So, very, very late 90s, there was a movie called Spice World. There was, was a band Spice called Girls the Spice Girls. They made a movie. The they made a movie. They're coming back, actually. They're reforming four of them. Oh, really? Yeah. So... Which one's sitting out? I think uh, Mrs. Beckham. Oh, not the only one that's an actual spice? Ginger. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so long story short. Too late. If you go into a movie with high expectations, it needs to meet those expectations. If you go into a movie with no expectations, then you will almost always be pleasantly surprised. Spice World was a movie by the Spice Girls. It About the involved Spice Girls. a whole bunch of British celebrities. It's a particular genre of and film that, that... Yes, true. It's a particular genre of movie that Britain does amazingly well, Australia does kind of well, where people sort of take the piss out of themselves. They appear as kind of themselves, but not watch extras, watch the trip. Now, when November saw it, it had been panned. Universally panned. I had not heard a single thing about it. And I went to the movies to see it with the two little sisters of my boyfriend at the time. And it was meant to be the worst movie, and she was not dragged, but it was a thing that was going to happen. She, like a number of people, saw it and thought... I really enjoyed it. Yep. So I came home and talked it up. I caught the second wave, because there was a period where everyone was like, holy shit, everyone says the Spice Girls movie is terrible. It's actually not that bad. I went and saw it, as ridiculous as this sounds, I went to a Spice Girls movie thinking it was going to be okay because it had been talked up. I hated it. I and really hated it. And that's fair. Did you go by yourself? Because when I went well, with the kids... I watched it on not, my own. I mean, they yeah, were kids. I didn't go into teens the twins. Still imagine the twins from The Shining going with you. But... <laughs> they were much older. Yeah, <laughs> they were younger than me. Crazy. They weren't kids, kids. But there were so many single men dotted around the audience. Mm. That was a bit disturbing. And You, you don't wear a raincoat in Brisbane. Oh, God. Inside? It's a bit Oh, warm. no, you do in the fucking Inside. The cinemas because, dear God, I went to see Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and it was obviously they were going for a theme event because it was fucking as cold as the damn scenery. The point anyway. being that if you go into a movie with high expectations that doesn't meet them, you'll be disappointed. If you go into a movie with low expectations, there is a very real chance you will actually be surprised by how good the movie is. This was the first of the two that I saw on the Umbrella DVD. I sat down and I watched this. I had zero expectations. I'd seen... I had told Callum it was awful. November had told me it was terrible. I'd heard it was awful. I'd actually just expected two movies that were meant to be Debbie Does Dallas. I genuinely was surprised at the depth the movie tried to meet. And this was the thing. I expected softcore porn to softcore porn to softcore porn, and I genuinely was surprised by how deep the movie sort of was. David Stratton called it atrocious. <laughs> I And I think part of the problem is, is having looked back at some of the older reviews, and there's one in particular which you should read. I'm sure November already will put it up on our page. Uh, it's a link to a review from the Canberra Film Society, which talked about the fact that it was being released as a regular film. I went into this expecting porn. Apparently, the original release, they tried to release it as a mainstream movie. Yeah. If you saw this as a, being a mainstream movie, you would be disappointed. As This is not a mainstream porn. movie. No, I... no. 
as expecting porn, I found this a genuinely deep film with some real layers. I just have to look at what I wrote here. Looks like he's directing an avant-garde sex film clip. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And it's so good because of that. (laughs) And this is the thing. I get the impression at the time that they tried to release it as a film. They tried to release it as Mad Max. They tried to release it as this is an Australian avant-garde film. Well, the trailer certainly seemed to harp on the Mad Max, even though it was really from a very small bit that they prized out of context. The trailer was Mad Max. I don't think they knew the words avant-garde. No. I say if you view it as a softcore porn film, if you view it as let's try and make some kind of pornography that people will enjoy. There is a depth and a storyline to this film way beyond the sum of its parts. I read a review, one guy said, would not fat to. I know, and that's my point. That's my point. I don't think... We've mentioned Debbie Does Dallas in the past. No, you've mentioned it a lot today. Neither of us have brought it up. I've mentioned Debbie Does Allison in the past, and this is a point that should be made about pornography in general. If you watch a porn film for porn, it's about bouncing from one porn scene to the next. And we we talked about the fact that there's always a lesbian scene and so on. The storyline is so secondary. The plot doesn't matter. Whereas there's a Could plot. Say that again. No. All right. The no. plot doesn't matter. No. And <laughs> where the scores don't matter. Um, <laughs> I genuinely think that somebody somewhere had a, a, a point Anyerson, they wanted to it. make with this film. And at some point, somebody number crunched and figured the best way to get bums on seats was pornography, was bare breasts, was lesbian scenes. And I think in that respect, this is pure exploitation in its classic, you don't get what you're paying for. And I think it's a shame because I'm genuinely, genuinely interested in parts of this film. So there we go. There are certainly many parts in this film. There are many parts (laughs) in this film, yes, and many of them are gynecological. Actually, that's something, as a counter to Felicity, John D. Lamond actually says a couple of times in talking about the film, he didn't make a gynecological movie. This isn't a gynecological movie either. I mean, neither of these are hard. Because the lips are closed. Both because it doesn't tell you how to do a pap smear. Yeah, well, (laughs) yes, and there are none of the the the, what are the things that you squeeze and the bits come apart. Penis. (laughs) Well, you can, but the bits don't come apart. A speculum. Um, Speculum. Yes, there are speculums in this movie. But I honestly think that if you go into this film expecting porn, you'll be... What does he think a gynecological film is? <laughs> I have no idea what he thinks. I think he thinks it's medical training. Is this he as in me? Or yeah. Oh, I meant John D. Lamont. John D. Lamont, yeah. No. This isn't John D. Lamont. No, but that's the point. Yeah, John D. Lamont says that Felicity was intentionally not a... Uh, this uh, is Tony Patterson person. and Wayne Groom. Right. And I would like to point out, two writers, Robert Fogden, not too much has since happened with him. Michael Ralph is the other writer of Yes, 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 this is exciting. He has become an executive producer du jour in the UK, producing series including Hustle, and he is a producer on Good Omens. Brand so new. So that's bloody amazing. There wow. is someone at least with creative talent involved in this movie, and I honestly think tapping into that resource, that's where For I'm For the rest from. of them. So we... We have a whiteboard set up here when we record these. We've got the uh, the director, the, the producer, writers, the key people. 
I'm just wondering if other than that we could do a where are they now? Because I can answer this in one place, which is Wayne Groom. Wayne Groom is the producer. He's also the main voice. There's a um, behind the center spread feature on this DVD. So he has a YouTube channel with five subscribers and, and eight six vid videos. Five subscribers and six videos. Yes. When we watched it yesterday, he has one more video uploaded than the number of subscribers he has. Yeah. That doesn't say anything. That's just the thing. Anyway. All right, let's talk. He plot. said this is a groundbreaking film, I guess, in a way. Plot. All right, yep, off you go. Good luck. All right. So, in the near future, we have entered a society which is in some way media stop stop looking at me like that oh my god <laughs> it wasn't even Randy. me that time and this is just how i look at people normally which suggests suggests how a you see the conscience. ground you're on daria has just looked at me like go ahead it was lean back in the chair hand yep. on chin any comment you say may be used against you in a court of law is the look in I the just court got of past okay so the plot of this film the hero is a photographer for a state for central front? central now this is this is the first this step. is central to this it's hard to tell it's kind of played out as a bit of a dystopian future there is an overarching organization industry government department called central that controls everything there are societal tiers within this society and if you work very hard which we you find out about nearest the, the next. end yeah absolutely he works as a photographer for let okay let's call it state because it's going to be too fucking complicated otherwise central is state central is the government he works why for not state, just call it central bigger one no but, but he works for state-run media that provides state-run material to the population he provides pornographic sort of softcore pornographic uh, photographs for magazines that are distributed by state for the population to absorb. Population has found that a some kind of numeric value is dropping off. Maybe it's popularity, maybe that's not played out. It does, it, There's a lot that's not clear. Exactly. TBH. One of my frustrations with this movie, some numerical value is going down. So state hire this guy to find the next big thing. His job is a photographer. He has this strange, unwieldy camera that a God knows how camera? it's op operated. He, he, I think it's huge because the future. Yeah, exactly. And well, I've got one in my pocket that's way smaller than that. <laughs> yeah, they really missed they the ball. They didn't get yeah. that quite right, did they? And, and it looks like a new camera is, like there's no film. It's like a new camera is dropped off. And from maybe the, it is film, but a new camera seems to be dropped off. New boxes that's yeah, just got the camera in it. Like it might film the camera and they send the whole thing away. A bit like a yeah. There is actually a moment I think in the very early stages of the film where you see a close up of the camera and you can see the wood grain in the piece of wood they've painted black. I just hope they made it out of cardboard. It's huge. It no. must be uncomfortable to hold up to your it head. It looks like a huge cake box. It's insane. I, so yes. he he grabs the camera. He pointed at a scene that he's created. So he's engineered scenes. He points the camera at it, and at the end of the Every now and then he remembers to pick the camera up and put it in front of his eyeballs. He then gets a set of stills, but you never see the stills being photographed. But there's no click. And more importantly, 
the stills that come out of the scenes he's filming are not necessarily moments that have been captured during the event. So uh, a third of the way in, the Mad Max sequence that you see in the trailer. Which oh, the rape is, scene. Um, no, no, the, the, well, yes, the, 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 the faux rape followed by the She's going to stab stabbing, him. yeah, is played out. And then the stills he gets after the event, none of them could have been physically possible to grab from the scene that they experienced. So some way the camera... Okay, how is that? Because I missed that. No, I, oh, no, I am not going as far as the camera taps into his brain. I didn't realise it came out with shots that he hadn't been able to take. Yeah, that, absolutely. Those, that's pretty common in movie photographs because they don't take the photographs that the viewers are going to see when the scene that is ostensibly oh, photographed... Okay, yes, I see what you're saying. ...takes Not place, sure. so it's often just a production factor. Possibly. I also get the impression that the sequences didn't necessarily play out exactly as captured on the camera anyway. There are angles and moments that, even if you assume the camera can take stills, he wasn't in the position to take. He wasn't in the right... There's stuff that plays out. There's a... Okay, the opening sequence of the movie is a very bizarre artistic scene where a woman is lying naked except for a terrible bald cap on a half a bubble and a guy slashes his way through backlit rice paper, rice paper screen and sort of simulates stabbing her sort of seven or eight times about to stab and doesn't and waves knives over her. But and strangely, then... as Callum says, it's not this. I wouldn't say it's particularly violent no. the way he does it. It's more artistically and it's not yeah. stab because they're machetes so it's yeah, sort of it's... slashing near her to give a veneer of violence but you know that she's safe yeah you, how's you know that she's safe. and she's untied she's completely in a position to get up whenever she wants and at not the after her stage... back's been in that position for 20 well, minutes <laughs> christ that looks uncomfortable <laughs> But the point is that in each sequence where he uses the camera, if we see the shots, they're shots that were never actually framed in what we saw. So oh, yeah, somehow sure. without, and you never see him working buttons or anything, the camera's got this weird little buzzy part to it. He captures stills that weren't in the sequences that we saw being filmed. Okay. Anyway, so he's supposedly a a winning photographer for the state-run magazine that's beginning to lose its readership awareness. Or we can God say it's knows. not real clear. Yeah, it's not real clear. <laughs> There's the, a lot about this. It's not real clear. There's a computer clear. screen at one point his producer points out and says, look at this, and you just see a graph go down. You literally Number, have no yeah. idea what they measured. You don't know anything. He is then tasked with finding whatever it is that is causing the numbers to go down to bring the numbers back up. And at the same time, he then moves into other sectors, the lower sectors in Sector society. Sector 7G. So, oh, no, not that one. And discovers what appears to be an incredibly naive innocent. She's quite attractive. She works in a shop that would have been shut down. Yes, yeah, so she works in an antique shop, and he's surprised that they still allow those stores. She says, I guess they thought it was easier just to let the old man die rather than close it up. The owner is a, is a grumpy old man, in air quotes, yeah. who somehow then resisted the entire might of the government. He falls for her and wants to become involved with her at the same time as he doesn't want her, like, kind of sucked into the machinations of the machine that he says. Really? While she at the same time... You got time, that? I really got that. While she... I got that she turned into a dude. 
She turned into a dude? <laughs> At the start, when he first goes into the antique shop, he sees her and so they're having a bit of a conversation. Shot to him, shot to her, shot to him, shot to her, shot to him, turns back and it's the old bloke. Oh, right. Okay, right. Okay. <laughs> just in the exact same spot where she was a second ago. So he interacts with her. And at the same time as he begins to get emotionally connected to her, which is something that does come up because she asks him whether she, whether he actually becomes attracted to the people that he shoots. No, at. he said, do you sleep with them? Not, are you attracted oh, to them? Sorry, yeah, yeah. And he, he specifically says it's a job and he's not. While he's actively attracted to her, she then consciously and aware and with full awareness buys into that Fuck, whole you've vibe. skipped ahead a bit. Well, no, no, I know I have because I want to just kind of get the You're whole thing. You're doing the whole thing, I want to, I the want whole to overview. Why All right. I have this overview concept? Sure. So while he's being kind of run across the coals a little bit by his boss, saying, you know, you've got to work at it, you've got to work at it, he's wooing her. She then finally steps into the realm and says, you know what, I want you to do this, and I want to go in, and I've got my eyes open. I know how it works. I want the money. I want to step up in society. Well, then, she didn't say. Go on, sorry. Yeah, no, she this does. is your she story. Does. Yeah. And he does photograph her. He loses his job because of that. And at exactly the same moment, the photos become so huge, or whatever, they tick the box of numbers that's necessary. She then gains success at exactly the same time that he loses it. And at the very, very end, there's a reconciliation where she steps back down from her cyber point. He... Brings her in and, yeah, I mean, okay, so that's the romantic sort of kind of fumbled hot mess end. <laughs> but I, there are layers. There are so many layers to this film. It's like an onion. There are layers. But I genuinely, genuinely think that the core storyline of this, the core world that this, this movie hints at is fucking fascinating. And it's a shame that it ended up He's being we, we don't know how it runs, who I runs it, how it. money works. Yeah. This is where one of my views is going to really run. Please. I oh, saw God, I basically no plot po- whatsoever. Well, no point in it being set in the future. Really. Ooh. Even I... in 1981, people took photographs for magazines and could lose their jobs if the magazines didn't sell well enough. Yeah, but it's it's very overt in this. I mean, there's a whole social... Stru- I mean, she has to sit at a particular table in a cafe because it's her number. Oh, I thought that was just her being particular. I didn't realise she was allocated number 22. Oh, no, no, she's allocated number... Oh, you, you didn't get that? Did no. you get that? No. What? We didn't get that. No. Why sit here? There are plenty of tables closer to the counter. This is my table. Number 22. That's my number. Well, that's nothing to worry about. I'll just move it over there. Then that'll be your table. It doesn't work like that. She's allocated number 22. How do you this know that? This is her table. She says it. Yes. But that's not just like, I always sit here, this is my table. No, yeah. no, this is the table she's allowed to sit at. I didn't get any of that at all. Yes. Yeah, you I see? saw a lot of they're saying future words instead of regular nope, words, and that makes nope, it the future. Nope, 100%. 100%. She is I think I can rewatch it five more times and not see that. She's allocated that. That's the table she is permitted to sit at. And when he says, well, we'll just move the number to somewhere else. She said it doesn't work like it that. It doesn't work like that. She's not allowed to sit anywhere else. That's her table. Well, just, that's Did you just, not get that? Everyone has a favourite table at the cafe they go to every no, day. No, it's not favourite. That's, that's not. That's no, the table she's allowed. I didn't see it, no, man. No, no, no. Excellent. 
I'm actually. Callum is puffing his chest out like a proud little birdie right now. I am 100% sure they intended that to be. This is where she's allowed to sit. That's her table. That's not the table she wants to sit at. That's her table that she's allowed to because she's on that society. Well, level. okay. So usually I say these are the movies we watch so you don't have to. But maybe you do need to watch 15 minutes into this. Okay. One. I've lost the Lamington debate. I will, I will accept. <laughs> I will accept that I've lost Lamington. Watch this movie and tell me. Now I have to watch this fucking film again. And tell me, is she. Just that she chooses to always sit at that table, or is she only allowed to sit at table 22 because that's her table? I say that's her table, the only one she's allowed to sit at. And that's and where I I'm say from the that's plot. my table because that's the exact spot I sit at when I have lunch every day, nope. right by the window. Nope. 100%. 100%. Why they I'm... don't open the blinds while she's sitting by the window? I'm now more on board with like laying myself out on oh. the because that is. Honestly, the impression that I got from this film is that's Callum where stuck his colours out. Yep, all right. I got, I got 1984, I got Clockwork Orange, and there's an interesting little reference to Clockwork Orange on this one a bit later. I got Dystopian Future, and that is where she's allocated. Okay, cool. Anyway, so. But that's about two-thirds of the way through the film, so let, let's dial it back. Oh, you were doing the whole overview, aren't you? No, that's it. At the very, very end, he loses his job because he has succumbed to emotions, she gains. Also, he lost his job because he delivered the photographs late. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, he he failed to meet the requirements of Santa, um, which had nothing which... to do with his emotions, as you just mentioned. No. Well, no. No. He, <laughs> sorry. No. They did, insofar as by the time she agrees to take the photos, he's almost reluctant. They to do never it. gave him a deadline. Yeah. No. I. Okay. Yes. They never right. ever okay. gave him a deadline. And it's like, ah. Oh, Right. Okay. I, yeah, just rep- quickish. Oh, Please. a bit quicker. He just kept reporting to his boss. His boss said, "Better do it soon." All right. Like, Better do it soon. Better do it soon. Not too late. Please let me point out. I am not suggesting for a second that this is Black Mirror. I'm not suggesting what? that there is an insanely well-executed delivery of the storyline that there was intended. I'm just saying there was a storyline. There was a plot. There was a an incredibly... I'll agree that there's a storyline, there's, yeah. there's an incredibly potentially interesting commentary on society that was lost because... Through the terrible script and acting. Exactly. Because at the end... <laughs> oh, I get no, a point. No, because at the end of the day, the movie was delivered to us through softcore pornographers rather than necessarily avant-garde filmmakers or edgy directors. I just mentioned terrible acting and dialogue, but I have to give you a quote. So, a couple of vehicles, like literal vehicles, not this is a vehicle of, there are buses. Yeah. And there's this bloke's Thunderbird. His Thunderbird is very, very nice Thunderbird. Which is absolutely beautiful. Do you notice, like, this car is so massive? He goes to a house later. It looks like the car is almost as long as her house is wide. And that's actually really interesting because the Thunderbird is one of the smallest American sports cars. That's probably just what they happen to have lying around. Yeah, but from that era, you had Lincoln Continentals and Cadillac Eldorados. Mm, the Eldorado. Yeah, I mean, and that's a fact. They never go. Well, no, but that's an aircraft carrier. Yes. um, Thunderbirds are actually almost human inside. inside. I have to give you a line from the movie. Now we are talking about dialogue. Okay. This is a quote. Oh, dialogue is not great. (laughs) Did you know these headlights light up one and a half kilometres of the road at night? Oh, really? How much do they light up in the day? I'm not exaggerating. That is a line in this film. 
but that <laughs> delivers the punchline to a blonde joke. Yes, I, I know, I know, I know. But Nikki is given an agency in this movie, which is just not common in this genre. She porn. has well, softcore porn. That kind of eh, oh, yesterday we were denying it was porn. No, no, I'm not denying. No, 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 I'm not. No, that's the thing. I'm not denying it's porn. I'm not denying it's softcore porn. I'm saying that the way the movie fails is because that's how it ended up being delivered. Oh. It could have been 1984. It could have been Mad Max even. If it had entirely different script, actors, writers, directors, mm. cinematographers. If Go it on. had an entirely different... Oh, budget. No, 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 no. If it was given a script makeover and entirely different actors, an entirely different genre to be delivered by. It was not given to us as a social commentary. It was not given to us as a dystopian action adventure future. It was given to us as a softcore porn film. And in that respect, we lose 90% of what was put through. Okay, and this is the point I will... Just this, this, this one moment within defending this film, because I'm going to... Let him have this moment. I am going to be the Knights Templar on this movie. Well... I now recognise in myself, in the first time that I've ever done it, because I'm now watching movies for a podcast, I watch movies through a critical eye, I look at them seeking a depth that maybe isn't there. And no, 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 because I will continue to defend this movie because it gave me a view on this movie which I wouldn't necessarily have had otherwise. I possibly give far too much credit to the people involved in a movie than they deserve. But I am prepared to defend it from the point of view that I had watching the film. And so that's where I'm coming from. But that's the one thing I will say. I maybe read way too many layers into the movie that was intended. Maybe it was just a way of getting tits and ass on screen. Your turn, Daria. You were very quiet during the last one. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm not going to say there's no future elements in it, but you could excise them and really not affect the story at all. No, and I agree that the movie can be a commentary on the period at the time of find a sexy woman, put her in the literal centre spread of a magazine. That's what they want. They want, and if you watch the, did you watch the production mini behind the centre spread? I haven't. I did. I have many notes. Yeah, it's a really top layer commentary on finding sexy women, and it's it's yeah. Okay, sorry. Anyway, occasionally seen a bit. Just throw in a future word here. Yep. Let's live in a sector, not a suburb. Yes. The bit of the car is a is a common near future trope. Granted, that is you know we don't have cars anymore. Yeah. yeah. Something that's commonplace in the time of the work is made is a novelty by the time of the film setting. I was actually pleasantly surprised that they weren't just dressing everyone like it was nineteen eighty one. Yeah, and. Okay, the you didn't write it on the thing for me. Costumes, yes, you did. Huh? Yes, you did. Costumes. Mark Halliday, who was unfortunately, as far as I know, never to be heard from again. Really? I, yeah. Wow, that's a real shame. His name on IMDb has this. That's it. I just found nothing. I loved some of the costumes in this. Well, okay, I didn't love them. I really liked some of the costumes in this, and I thought... If there was some alternative reality when the 1920s 
Ballet Russe were doing a sex flick, this would be who dressed it. Like some of the costumes were really 1920s Ballet Russe, Gontarova. Yeah, I rarely actually, like some of them. There was a reference at some point towards the end where he actually talks about like Roman philosophical points, which explains that kind of style of that sort of low-cut shirt end and, and things, which I thought was... He was saying something like Central or the magazine was like... So we start off with more violent sexual imagery. Yeah, which and doesn't he, play out violently. I would just like to And he moves away from that with his photography yeah. because he meets a girl and falls in love. But he says Central slash the magazine, it's like ancient Rome yeah. and the Colosseum. We just capitalised on it better. No, you did not capitalise on that better than the Colosseum. Do you know how much gladiators made? They would be literally yeah. trillionaires now. Yeah. So you did not capitalise this better than the Romans. No. But that's Other than that, what did the Romans do for us? Okay, yeah, fair. Yeah, but that's actually something that's only come out relatively recently. The concept that even when we saw what was the Russell Crowe movie Gladiator? Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I had a point. And back to you. Yes, Callum? Gladiator. <laughs> The concept that these people were were superstars were, yeah, as you say, you know, would have been worth millions, if not billions, of dollars in real money, is something that's still only relatively recently in the mm. general knowledge. So their reference to Romans at the time was probably accurate for the level of knowledge that they had at the time. Or so that they the cared to find out. The point he was trying to make. No, no, I no, not cared to find out. Do you out. think they did a lot of research to make this film? No, 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 but I'm, I'm, I'm saying you would have had to work really God, hard. God, I feel like Margaret and David right now. Can you interject, please? <laughs> Just say anything. They would have had to work really hard in 1981 to find the reality of that, because it's not They had libraries in 1981. <laughs> yeah, but why then did we only learn about the fact that these guys were basically super wrestling WWF stars in 2000. Because white people are rubbish at knowing history. Yeah, no, exactly my point. So, so you can't, again, you can't attack a movie from 1981 about not knowing something that's really only relatively common knowledge in the early in the early to mid 2000s. It's common knowledge because we've just come across it. If you were trying to seek out that knowledge it's there to be sought you didn't have the internet in 1981 you no but you had libraries and you had the, those lovely drawers with the little cards they weren't they did would you would you have a go at a 1981 movie if it somehow worked in the fact that ducks quack didn't echo if you had a, a plot point well you could take a duck to a cave and figure that shit out if you were really curious <laughs> would you attack a 1981 movie for that if you had a if, plot okay, point, if a movie is entirely based around a duck's quack knocking right. in, in, in 1981, in 1981, if you had a movie where <laughs> there was a, let's say there was a, a plot point where somebody didn't get some information that they needed because the frequency that a radio broadcast went out happened to be the same as a duck quack. So they've gone all the way through. They've said, okay, well, no, 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 but this radio frequency went out on frequency blah, 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 which means they wouldn't have got the echo back because it was was the same as a duck quack. No, 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 I... I never... <laughs> oh, God, I wish we were filming this. <laughs> Would you then, with all of that... That they, they knew a duck's quack didn't echo, they'd heard that thing, and so they did all the research of what frequency is a duck's quack, 
How would it be? Therefore, the radio wouldn't have broadcast it back in the cave. Would you then shit on that movie? Because An African it... duck or a European one? Is it a fully laden duck? For those just joining us, we're talking about a movie where naked ladies pour paint on each other. We are. The point I want to... Oh my god, it hurts. The point I'm trying to make... Oh, yes, Keller. Is... If you work to the point of knowledge at the time, and you build up a reason for getting to that point this of is knowledge... This going to be the longest podcast in the world if you can't get over that fucking sentence. I argue you can't then shit on the film because it's taken a common knowledge point which we now know is wrong and worked up to it as well as they can. What did they think was wrong that we know is The isn't? Roman thing. You, you shat on the Roman knowledge. You shat on that, that commentary about the Romans and you're like, no, 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 but they would. WWF stars, they would have been... Pretty. We know that now. That's a common knowledge. All right. I'm happy to skip over that, Callum. No, no, we don't need to skip over that. I just want to say that we need to stop... Poo-pooing. We need to stop pooping on the movie from 2019. That's a long poop. <laughs> like a goldfish. This is a lot of pictures. <laughs> Fuck you all. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, where were we? I think, in many ways. <laughs> now, I am going to start joining bits together here. Alright, please, for the love of God. <laughs> the storyline you're seeing, the storyline that is there, however deep I it is. I say the storyline's there. Yeah, well, there is a storyline there. I don't think yeah. any of us are disagreeing on that. Are you disagreeing on that? No. Okay. But the actual story bits are really snippets around the nudity and the aforementioned paint pouring. 100% behind you. 100% behind you. I don't think it's entirely coincidence they've chosen a form of media which is basically based around sexy naked women doing strange things to each other. And that's where the review... Oh, my God. Both of my podcasting compatriots are currently actively in tears. Um... That is where that that is where the review from Canberra has said is that there were many roads they had to try and get this one watched by as many people as possible. Wait, we're on the <laughs> Oh no, they're on the Randy's iPad. She's okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't with tits and arts. They and the critic is a hundred percent justified in saying they try to get as much sex on screen as possible, and I am a hundred percent with you on that because. What snippets of potential storyline I got from this film, what what moments of, God, I wish they went deeper with X were there, it was all lost on the fact that they decided to go what brings people in on seats in 1982 breasts. So, yeah. And vaginas. Completely with you. Yeah, there was a bit of a JJ on this. I, well, there was quite a bit. Um, whoever did the makeup? <laughs> oh, I was going to say whoever did the makeup. Uh, there is some really creative. Uh, there's some really interesting creative makeup work in this. That's done by Trish McCall. I don't. I think she did all the body makeup too. And well done. There weren't any ingrown hairs. Oh, well done. Yeah. yeah um, that's was, that's it, a challenge when you shave. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yes. In terms yes. of the other makeup, she did create sort of a coherent style for the. Except when those women had eyebrows on their shoulders. That was a bit unusual. Okay, that bit was unusual. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was very much in that 80s, 
future style. There was a lot of silver and blue in the makeup. There was a lot of definitely, um, you know, slashes across them, almost uh, Ziggy Stardust levels of you know slashes mm. over eyes and down faces and things. Yeah, it remains up for speculation whether the intent was to create this drama about the near future with media and consumption, and they thought that the best way to get across the fill of tits, or if they wanted to just make a soft porn movie and they created a plot about photography to wrap around it. Mm. Or if indeed it was conceived as a whole like that. Certainly when I was younger, in I had a phase which has become infamous where I was very much art house for art house sake. Adari was actually saying she'd be embarrassed that younger her would say that she loved this film, but she'd also convince herself that she meant it, even though she didn't really. Right. But no, I totally... It's a bit like That the, was giving you the opening to say yeah. the things you were saying more clearly. Yeah. Yes, was, that's exactly... I, I was very... Oh, this is art house. Oh, this has imagery and a message, and I just say those things without actually thinking them. And if you don't like it, you just don't get it. You don't it, get it. Because you're not that... Um, I, it was I the am... 1990s, unsurprisingly. That's when we were in college together, darling. Yep. <laughs> and I do... I mean, I recognise. I recognise. I am. I am maybe layering levels of intent on this movie it does not deserve. And I recognise. Did you watch this by any chance on acid? I had had a couple of gin and tonics after a very long shift. That may not be the same thing. Uh, look, you know, it's. I'd had I pizza. wouldn't know. <laughs> okay, my. Oh, but cheese has its effects. This is true. Cheese dreams, for example. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just I look, and I want to. I want to just. I'll plant my flag. I recognise that everything I'm seeing in this may not even remotely be intended. But I am viewing this, and like I said, I'm not going to step back, as I almost always do, from defending this movie from the the fact that occasionally, if an artist throws three daubs of paint on a canvas with no intent, but it speaks to you, that does not mean the way it speaks to you is not a completely legitimate Sentence. interpretation of what you see. This is fair. This is true. Okay. So you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So in the film, in the background, they say it's 20 or 30 years in the future. They also say it's 10 years. So we don't really know. It's inverted commas in the future. The text of the computer suggests it's two years, but anyway. Oh, yes. So they're looking for the new look, the girl of the century. The movie tried to do that. They put out auditions Mm -hmm. around the country, 500 girls auditioned, Mm -hmm. and they were looking for the girl of the 80s. Yep. Carly Foster, who plays Nikki, Okay, so we had the whole weird incest discussion on the last one. This is weird too. Nikki, um, Carly Foster's name. Yes, Callum. No, no, that's okay. This is fascinating. I'm genuinely like. Carly Foster's uh, father is, I think, Al Foster, who I think is a very, well, was a very famous singer. Oh. He would show these people these, he worked in film as well, show the people, this is my beautiful daughter. Look how beautiful my daughter is. Here's more photos of my daughter. Oh, yeah, there's that little girl I've watched growing up. Let's get her fucking naked. Wow. Yeah. She kind of got the role instantly. And she'd been in... A film, I can't remember which one. Channel 7, we're going to make a doco. I don't know if they did. Go on. A film, I can't remember which one, but has Asia Argento. 
doing mm-hmm. all sorts of dark and sexy business and then you realise the director was her dad. Yes, yeah, so messed up. Who's the French singer? Oh, God, he did uh, he did a song that was famously with his own daughter uh, and it was an incredibly deeply sexual uh, film uh, and it was creepy as fuck. Uh, again, Callum actively remembers every aspect of this except any kind of... Um, Names, details, uh, any proper nouns. Um, French singer, uh, uh, Serge, Serge Gainsborough. Okay, so oh, right. Serge Gainsborough did a song called uh, Je T'aime, which the video clip was actually with his own daughter. Yeah. Unplug, yeah. This, like, in the behind the scenes, it seems, this Just guy, this producer, Wayne Groom, got to Trump levels of creeping. Mm. And I, I feel oh, if, terrible if, saying this. If she this wasn't my daughter, I'd. I'd... Screw her. I feel so bad saying this because, you know, 1981's a really long time ago and this guy's still alive and he has friends and family and I feel bad saying bad things about him. Yeah, so that's one. Uh, also, a phone call went through. So they were having auditions in the Norman Lindsay room, wherever that was. I might be wrong about the same uh, one, by the way. I just want to... Yeah. So the whole thing that you just took time... At- no, 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 no. I know it was creepy <laughs> as fuck, but I can't remember exactly why, so I might be wrong about the specifics of that one. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Uh, auditions in the Norman Lindsay room. If you know Norman Lindsay, the Australian painter, there's a uh, yeah. lot of flesh oh, going yeah. on there. Yeah. And a phone call went through, and it was Kylie Foster's mother, uh, and then she found out what was going on in that room, and she thought... Whoever it was she spoke to, I think the director thought they were about to get this earful of, oh, my God, my daughter cannot be there. That's disgusting. I'm coming to get her at once. She just said, oh, my daughter was in Playboy and Penthouse. That's wonderful. I suppose it's, parents. Nice. Yeah, good. She's supporting her daughter's career. That's say, right. Like, you know, again, white male, but, you know, if they're supporting, they're supporting. And mm-hmm. I, I I totally get that. I, I, I understand that we look at a parent pushing the nudity of their own child onto the world and going, that's creepy. Was it Felicity or was it Sender Spread where in the – it was in the features but it kept playing over the credits. Were we born naked? We die naked? Well, I hope you don't die no, in a fucking spread. car accident. Yeah. Uh, who dies naked? Anyway, back to you. No, no, all I was going to say is – it's, there's a thing that's actually sort of doing the rounds on Facebook at the moment, and I've actually heard it a couple of times before, which is if you believe that you do not prostitute yourself to your boss, but that other people prostitute themselves because it's sex, then all it means is that you've got a bit of a weird concept of sex. Because uh, I read it about way, being in a coal mine, because that's killing you. Because in any well, other way, the only difference is the fact that... You might you get know, something in your eye, but you're not going to inhale anything that's going to kill you, I suppose. <laughs> But at the end of the day, you're putting your body through unnatural acts that you wouldn't choose to do unless you were being paid to do it. The only difference is one of them involves sex. All that does is speak to us. Are sex. you saying no. you wouldn't have sex if you weren't paid? I think I've got a question to ask no, to your girlfriend. No, 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 no. I'm saying <laughs> I would not go and sit at a particular table and stare at a computer screen for eight hours a day unless I was being paid. I wouldn't, you know, sleep with someone if I was a prostitute unless I was being paid. The only sex difference... Worker. Yeah, so oh, yes, God, all right, yes. I wouldn't sleep with someone unless I was a sex worker and I wasn't being paid. The literal only difference is that there is a sex act involved. Every other aspect is exactly the same. You are literally doing something unnatural with your body that you would not do under normal circumstances, and it speaks to the concept of 
The only hang-up on sex workers in general is that people feel that the sex act in and of itself is in some way different, is in some way other to what can and can't be controlled for a... But one of the differences that people do see is that sex things are things you're not supposed to have members of your own family. No, Yeah, that's true. Where we at? Have you had a good experience with Felicity? How are you enjoying Center Spread with Gerard and his huge tool? I heard in one spot there was discussion about Channel 7 doing a documentary on the making of this film, which was to find the look, the woman of a century. So he goes, Gerard, uh, the photographer, goes from these violent sexual imagery it's like opposite of Felicity. So that goes from the most innocent to exploring more. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this guy, it seems like he's Stop shot everything else and then yes. falls in love. And then it becomes about this one person and the emotions. Like he's completely detached to begin with. Really, yeah. That's a way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first sex scene involves a remarkably uncomfortable woman drape backwards over a large ball and two yeah. machetes. The second sex scene is rapes. The the one in the Mad Max one in the desert. Yeah, with the helmets and a knife and Yes. Can and... I say something without sounding apologist? Yep, Callum doesn't think it's rape. No, I no, I I Okay. And again, I don't know if this is just simply the way it was portrayed. First off, she's holding a red rag. She is literally holding a red rag to a ball. So no, she's, she's not literally holding a red rag to a bull because he's not a bull. That's not how the word literally works. Go on. She's literally holding a red rag to a motorcyclist. Here we go. All right. So I, she's... I feel the metaphor crumbling. <laughs> <laughs> she's literally taunting. She's literally tempting and taunting. And then there are two points, without a doubt, that she absolutely lays back and lets it happen. There's a point where the motorcyclist is holding her down lifts his arms completely away and pretty much he's, he's not even sitting on it but straddling her while he undoes his his helmet and, and Pants. whatever. Yes. Now, a couple of things. Again, 1981. We're still talking the sensibility of what is consent under the circumstances of what the actual environment is. I totally get that. The second is that they consciously went with his early stuff is about violence and sex. The machetes, the rape. This it's is all what I'm about yeah. But I just want to highlight that in the context of this film, in the time that it was made, seeing this as a rape scene is not necessarily... It's not necessarily the same as, say, a Mad Max film made in the same period where you have clear, overt, over-the-top rape scenes, that there is an ambiguity in there that is suggestive of the fact that perhaps he's maybe not full on about the violence. But I, again, I'm, I don't know if I'm being apologist. I don't know if I'm Sounds being apologist. Sounds it. So I thought that within the story, so in-universe now. In-universe, yes. In-universe. It was supposed to portray rape and or sexual violence for the titillation, for the supposed enjoyment of the viewers Central. in universe. Yeah. yeah. Central, yeah. the consumers, exactly. whatever it's going to be. Yeah. All right. I, s- I still got that discomfort. What is particularly kind of discomfort, not just from watching rape on screen, rape that no one points out on screen. Okay, yes. So Callum did say, okay, so they're both bikies. 
she has a red cape. Please enjoy at home the gestures that I'm doing right now. She has a red cape. He takes two passes. She flutters the cape. On the third pass, she pulls out a switchblade. Jared's offside of Mark says, is this approved? Yeah, he begins to worry He's... whether or not the actual scene is under control. He actually yeah. says, yeah. is this control? Oh, is this control? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Which, interestingly, if we're going central, control. control is another word that is often used in films like this to suggest that... Maybe he just messed red because there's just one letter difference. <laughs> He's a nose, might have not had the glasses um, on. But yeah, they do actually talk... Uh, control is another one of the generic terms used for a... A and weird authority figure over the top of something like this. Yeah, sorry. So he takes the third pass, she has the knife, she cuts his leg, he comes off the bike. Arm. Yeah, go on. Arm. Oh, arm, sorry. sorry. Arm, yes, sorry. Cuts his arm, he comes off the bike, uh, she goes, stands over him, he grabs her feet, takes her clothes off and fucks her. Mm. I would say rapes her. And I would like to point out, in my sensibility in this day and age, 100% rapes her, without a doubt. Yes. Cool. I'm completely with you on that. So we're to sex scenes in now and they both involve violence. Yes. But the, the guy, the, the off the offsider, she pulls out the knife, he doesn't like it. There's the rape scene. Then he's on top of her, she's got the knife and is about to plunge it into his back. And that's where he stops it. So yeah. he's got no issue at all until exactly what I was going to say. until there's it's, violence against the man. Is that what you're yes, going to say? Exactly what I was going to say. Until the moment that she's about to defend herself, admittedly with what seems to be lethal force, force. but yeah, that's the point he steps in and then kicks the knife out of her hand. So yeah, you're right. I think that again, if you're going to deep dive into it, society and and I kind of get the impression that he, as the up and coming, is a is a, a representative of the way society feels is okay with the violence up until the point that the man is in danger and then that's the point he feels the need to step in and say, okay. Yeah. This is yeah. this is Mark? Oh, uh, yeah, Mark. Mark, the, that's the, right. The yeah. Is it Mark or Jared early on that we see walking through a corridor and it, I, my first thought was, oh, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, Mark. That's Mark? Mark, he yeah. wanders into it's a It's the style of the cut-off yeah. top he's wearing. He accidentally wanders into a room with two women who want to fuck him. Yeah. For some bizarre reason, and then he ends up late on set. For some bizarre reason. Yeah. Right. So at that point, they do do it, but later in the film, when he keeps running across these naked women offering themselves to him, he's very much like, uh, just go over there, I've got a job to do. Yes. yes. He's, stepping, he's stepping into the role. Into Jared's role. Jared is now stepping And at the end, he's like, I why. see why you used to bitch about this. Yeah, which is a really interesting way of looking at it. It's like... I want to do your job. Oh, my God, your job sounds amazing. You've got the Look, best the job in the world. And he gets, he's he's like, like, oh, oh for fuck's sake. Which, just leave my cock alone, women. <laughs> I just need to take your photos. Which, to draw the parallels, a very interesting thing to think of when you think about Felicity, where uh, John Lamond is sick and tired of seeing incredibly handsome naked men at the end of a genuine audition call, and that's where they end up with that guy who turns out to be... Auditioning Did he pilot. mention that he was sick of seeing all the naked women in the... No, no, no. He was just pretty checking. comfortable with the naked women. Yeah, he was yeah, fairly sure checking. that that was all good. But, uh, yeah, no, anyway. Yes. Yeah. Mark reminds me of, like, he's... He's like if you're doing a, a very stereotypical porn film, he'd be going, like, excuse me, I have a pool to clean. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he would be perfect. sitting there with the pizza in one hand going... It's getting cold. It's getting cold. <laughs> 20 bucks or I'm taking it back to shop. <laughs> I think a bit like... um. Wow, I'm doing the blanking on film thing now. Oh, oh no! Thank fuck. We can we have the technology. We can look else. things up. 
Videodrome. Videodrome. I haven't seen Videodrome. I've never heard of Videodrome. David Cronenberg Videodrome. And it also has a theme of near future media is becoming harsh, etc., etc. Yes. And I think part of what distracts Jared and what leads to this is that people are just getting jaded by sex and violence in their whatever magazine this is every week, which is just a, a society that's basically just gone, you know, yeah, we're, we're just so dark that you show us, you know, snake eyes macheting a naked woman and we're just like, what's for dinner? There's two things I'm going to say about this. One of them is just general and the other is incredibly personal to a certain extent. The general one is, to a certain extent, this is Running Man, but with sex instead of violence. I don't know if you've ever seen Running Man. Yeah, oh, yeah. a million years ago, yeah. The idea of, okay, let's extend this to the natural level of where it seems to be going at the moment and we have the incredibly tight social commentary that is Stephen King's novel or the incredibly... Not quite so tight action yeah. Arnie's movie, which is still fucking amazing. I mean, you need to see Running Man. It's, yeah, it's but it's film. really hard to get a Stephen King book or short story oh, right really on is. film. Short stories um, better, books less yeah. well, catching up. If you think about pornography in 2018, if you want to see porn, you go to Pornhub. You go to a focused delivery system. Do you, where do you, you go if you want to see porn, Daria? Where do you go for porn? <laughs> do you go to a 1980s movie that's I would like that better. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I should remember the other... What's that other service got tube in the name? Uh, Red, Red Tube. Red Tube, Tube and there's X Hamster. The X Hamster? That sounds like a specialised service. X for X-Ray Hamster dot com. It's, it's the same thing. It's Pornhub. X for X-Ray... But hamster just for hamster. No, a hamster's the word. X is just the letter X. Yeah, that's not making it sound any yeah, better. Yeah, I think November's why did they call a porn site hamster? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God, is that a Richard Hammond fetish site? I must go that there. hilarious. <laughs> the point being that if you decide, if, if there's a particular genre of porn you're into, you can go to Pornhub and you can get the delivery of exactly the particular fetish that you want in a snippet that is the time frame that you want. And in fact, it's, it's I don't know. I'm going to test this. I don't reckon you can. Are you going to start combining terms and searching no, Pornhub reckon... and things and seeing what... I'm what certainly not going it? to put hamster, that's for sure. The, the point being that we're at that time combining now... genres, maybe? Genres? <laughs> uh, um, oh, my God. No, 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 no. Oh, no, what? Oh, no. no. There is, what there did is you think of? No, there is something I want to say. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know whether to do it now. I yeah, no, do it. it. We can now. edit it out. Well, well, no, no. By we, I mean Daria, obviously. Spice <laughs> this in when it's ready. Oh, I want to point something out. And we're talking, okay, we have two films which are notionally soft porn. Mm -hmm. There is, as everybody knows, a ton of films out there, or there are a ton of films out there that are porn parodies. Parodies of... I'm again it on. Cliff Backer. Back door to the future. Yep. Dr. Whore. Uh-oh. Dr. Whore? Dr. Whore. Oh, no. There is the sex-excised version of Dr. Whore on YouTube. I wanted to be like Dr. Who RE. It's it's, <laughs> it is honestly Dr. Who born. And they have... Is there a David Tennant series? What's the address? I'll be there, there in a, five. There is a David Tennant sequence. Dr. Whore. You need to check this out on yes, YouTube. Yes, I do. What it, they've removed all <laughs> oh. of the porn... There are in Oh, yes! 
yes, 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 I know this. Because yeah. I think you, well, Christ, I hope it's because you've told me about this before. So, like, Dr. Hall was made, but then someone re- went and remade a sanitised version, so the porn's oh, out, yes. and you can so watch it as Doctor YouTube. Who fanfic. It's on YouTube. It is Dr. Hall. Watch it on YouTube. They have excised the pornography. <laughs> It's amazing, and it's fucking hilarious, and the acting is... is I can't believe we started talking about 1981 Census Bread and we're now uh, Dr. Whore. But this is the point. The point I'm trying to make is, if I want pornography, if I decide I feel like titillation, I know what turns me on, I can go to locations that deliver the exact focused, this is the thing that gets you excited... The concept of centre spread is sort of that. It's They've already hit that point. Oh, my God. I'm picturing my brother. He was really bored watching Paranormal Are you more, Normal Activity. And so he just fast-forwarded to the action scenes and didn't get why it was scary. Like, well, no, you can't. You yeah. have to watch the whole thing. That's the point. That's exactly the point. And that's the bit that Gerard, as the character, is beginning to realise is that unless you deliver everything else, all you're getting is just a you're getting the, the what's the what was the mice with the um the brain thing that delivered uh endorphins or something and they starved to death? They were they were Oh, I think that's an apocryphal study. Oh, is it? I uh, think so. Okay, right. But yeah, it's like you hit that extreme. What we're seeing is society coming down the other side of that peak of the bell curve. It's like, well, we've, we've seen what happens now when you've got that perfected moment, but that's not what people want and people begin to, to desire the imperfections. They desire, they want the bits that, that are not just, yeah, you know, you can't just keep pressing that endorphin button over there. The very strong thing that's been happening between the magazine interesting and the public, which is that the magazine industry virtually rules the housewife. Not only the housewife, we consider that it will extend further than that and it will rule the lives of everybody. It will be more like a political situation because the magazine is media and the magazine will be the social stability. This is the magazine, is not Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, you can get what you want on the internet and you can get what you want delivered in a way... If I want to get political angry, if I want to get... You just remember who's the fucking president of the United States. Yeah, and literally, I can jump online and runs this and get fucking country that twice. Yeah, back to you. I can get like five minutes of rage stuff. I can get five minutes of the equivalent of what would get me, you know, rage, you know, angry at the world. Oh, I find angry far more accessible than porn. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. So well, there's angry porn too. Oh, Oh, of course, yeah. But yeah. Oh, I mean, God, Donald Trump porn exists. You just made my brain aware of that. It doesn't want to know this thing. I've never wanted to invent time travel quite so much. I want to go back before that realisation happened. That's just... That's just not okay. I, th- I think I was already ruled by learning about Nayland Palin. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's... She's actually... Because she looks like Tina Fey. Also, I think that's how I label one of your moving boxes. It wasn't Nayland Palin, but I think there was Sarah Palin. There was, porn. There was definitely yeah, Republican porn. You will be happy to hear that if I type in Donald Trump into Pornhub, you don't automatically get a ton of, of Trump porn. But if Sorry. you type in oh. Donald Trump idiot, they go, uh, no, if you just type in idiot without anything else and hit images, you get straight to that twat. Yes. Well, just what are you looking for? Yeah. I've seen lots of girls through here who look terrific. Okay, 
This is your successful day. That's just the problem. They all look alike. We've seen them all before. What we're looking for is someone different, fresh, a new look. The problem is we don't know what to look for. In the beginning, we relied on Central to come up with what we wanted, which it did, but... We need a... a new look, a different approach. Someone for the new century. And to top it all, we're running out of time. Where do I come in? Right here. We want you to find her. So wait, wait. We've got what was going to be either simulated or real rape and murder in that shoot in the desert. Yeah. Hmm. See, I thought that was going to be a potential snuff film. That's what I was expecting him to have gone with. Okay. I expected him to, because she was armed, so I thought that the... Producer. Is, is this your definition of snuff film? Yeah, he was a bit, he, that he was going to film as she stabbed him in the back of the neck. That's what I got. That's just acting. That's not a snuff film. No, no. no I think Callum's saying that the, the real knife was going into the real neck of the real actor. He thought. Oh, he, but he, in you know, the real film. No, not in the real real film. In, in the universe. Yeah, sure. In the universe. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Right, he he yeah. thought they stopped playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. As did Mark the Offsider. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that he would have let that happen. Because people have gone so far that... Exactly. Because this... I don't think even Jared makes decisions anymore. No. I think... He's completely lost I think lost Central control. is the computer. Mm. And they just shoot everything by Jared occasionally remembers to hold this camera up in front of his face on the odd moment. And then that whole thing gets plugged in the computer and it does its algorithm of what to pick so out of it. What is central? What do you think is central? I think central is that computer. You think just computer? I couldn't decide if the computer was the intelligence itself or the delivery system for the elitist of the elite. Yeah. And I got central was the computer system that the elite had set up to keep the I the think central population. took over the elite. I think the elite are all dead now and it's just central. Okay. Central is the computer. I don't think there are any people anymore. It took their dead brains as spare processors. Yeah, <laughs> basically. But funnily enough, as, as having previously referenced Doctor Who, a completely feasible Doctor Who storyline. Totally imagine them landing on a world where, yeah, that's delivered. So Central Central has just hit the peak of prod, prod, prod on the actual point of the brain, and mm-hmm. now it's no longer achieving what it, what it wants because we build in immunity. But because it's not terribly clever, it just thinks if people aren't satisfied with this sex and violence, they must want more sex and, and violence. violence. Yes. Whereas Jared has at least started to grab, maybe people want to come down and they want something wholesome. Yeah. So you know how there's like the sexy lampshade yeah. theory? I'm just like, this whole thing is just sexy lampshade with weapons. It's all yeah, they no, need. I'm not, I'm not I'm Really? Not buy, you think I'm the sure. women have agency other am... than... Our hit new girl? No, 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 I don't. You're right. Other than our hit new girl. And I think the hit new girl is the point. I think Nikki's the point. I said hit because I'm... Anyway, go on. Hit. Um, Oh, hit new girl. What does hit new girl mean? Oh, as in our hit. Sorry. Yeah, she's a a hit. Yeah. No. She's not hit because we're not in the 80s. I think all of the other women, to a certain extent, all of the ones that they're filming, 
a part of that machine, and I completely agree. They're all just flesh, literal flesh. You cover cover them in paint, cover them in whatever. Which is why they don't have their own agency. But Nikki does, one hundred percent. Nikki actually owns every aspect of her progression through the storyline. She decides when she's going to hang out with Jared. She walks away well, from him when she thinks he's lying about who he is. She then she knows. She doesn't walk away from him. Her boss comes. She has to catch well, the no, boss. It's her only option. She chooses to. She, oh, chooses to. Okay, go. She then, after learning the truth, dangles him for a bit before she tells him that she knows that the car What's was the him. story of the woman who works in the cafe? Oh, Hello, I, love. I think she's the glimpse of society. She's the glimpse of the oh, 99% right, yeah. the population. Because all the women in this, they're young and naked, or there's that single older woman. That's yep. it. Yep. It's, it's the only women in the universe. And the older woman is 100%, 99.9% of the society that is there. Is we, she chewed up and spat alive. out from the nudity? Is she... No, I just got that she's just... The way normal society works. I don't... I reckon if you closed in on the bus driver, he would be a similar level of beaten down and the bus driver made up. Mm. And I think that's society. I think that's the... Because men get roles, women don't. That's the only female we see with that we don't see naked. Again, you... Mm. Yeah. I... This is very much a product of the film. Yeah. Not least if there's actually I'm not many people in the film to be... There are. Oh, there's the terrible actor that Jared reports to. Oh, finally we have a black character. He's an African man. I think he's meant to be African. Yes. You really hate this movie, don't you? No, I am genuinely excited when we find people of colour in these ridiculously white world. Oh, my God, this movie has blackface. Yeah. This movie has blackface. Very literal blackface. Very yeah, literal. Because the, there's four women in the scene and they're painted like African animals. And my first thought was, oh, she's a panther. Oh, I see her face. Oh, she's not. No, no. Uh, yeah. I'm but, not going to defend that. That's appalling. And as we've discussed before, yeah, race is, is definitely uh, the elephant in the room when it comes to a lot of Australian film in general, the one exploitation. So, uh, yeah. No, well, not, not even Australian, just movies. It's all, we're a racist. But jumping back where November's going is that the bulk of the women in this movie are there to take their clothes off. Yes. 100%. For, completely agree. For an audience, not for themselves. Indeed. And the cafe worker, the waiter, whatever you want to call her, she... The is server, it, I think, is the politically correct term. She's the only one who is not. Notably, she does not look like the other. But she's got this harsh makeup, and it's like you would do for a past it woman. Mm. Like she used to be the it girl type thing, and 30 years later, this is just her trying to live her life. Mm. And the fact that there are no sort of incidental other female characters None. is really sort of skewing is the fact that the world often seems quasi abandoned anyway certainly doesn't help them. it's a world with a real dearth of humans in general but we got mark's a man jared's a man the boss is a man the investor whatever he is he's the, a man the crew the people who do the lighting and they're, the they're scenery all men. That... they're all men and there is actually a very interesting point where they're all um, clothed too well, no, there's that. In fact, funnily enough, again, another nod to Felicity, there's a moment where in the director's commentary where John Lamont's talking about how it's notionally a closed set, 
and yet all of a sudden all of these additional people are there. Center Spread owned that. Center Spread physically put them within the film itself and, you know, had all of these people kind of hang from the rafters. There is a very interesting point where Mark actually kind of gets on stage and the girls are beginning to paint themselves. And he's like, no, 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 you got to wait, you got to wait, you got to wait, you got to wait. And they don't. And he says, no, 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 Gerard will be here in a second. And then he gets sort of caught up in the action and gets painted. And all of the the people are whooping and all of them. Yeah, it's like, like whoop, woo! And then when Jared gets on set. It's serious time. But more importantly, when he then films the next sequence, which is the you're in a diner scene, which of course is a nod to the fact of the diner, they're all weirded out by the fact that he's going emotional. They're weirded out by it and kind of confronted in a way that they're not confronted by the sex. He says, I want to get the atmosphere of a busy cafe. So then we have mannequins. So then we have this woman who just goes groping mannequins. What fucking busy cafes do you go to? Yeah. But yeah. Maybe that's what cafes are like in the future. But by the way, the future Where all the tables are allocated. Often tables are allocated. That's how they keep a system so servers know how to go to which table. Number twenty two. It's the only one she's allowed at Hear me, people. But seriously, I need backup on this. Can I help you? Can I? Can you what? Can I help you with anything? No, I'm just looking around. Thank you. Well, uh, why don't you then? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to be rude. It's just... What's your name? Nikki. It's an unusual name. Uh, do you want anything in particular? No. To be honest with you, I didn't even know this place existed. It's been here for donkey years. The old man refuses to give it up. Jared, the amazing photographer, wanders out of his sector and finds a store which he thought was banned. Uh, an antique store. Yep. Wanders around it and encounters Nikki, played by Carly Foster. She is beautiful. She is absolutely beautiful. Her hair is horrendous. I think that's just an 80s thing, though. She looks like Poochie. She's 80s beautiful. Oh, no, no. Her face is absolutely gorgeous. Her eyes are gorgeous. It's just her hair is dreadful. That's all. Yeah. She doesn't have the best hair, and it doesn't, or rather, it doesn't get put in the best positions, and there are some shocking hairdos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, there are many shocking hairdos, but some of them as well. Not when they're, not when they're out, but when they're sort of up styled, they're quite good. Yeah, and she, Poodle. um, and again, this is one of those areas. The dialogue is pretty bad. The delivery is even so. You end up with terrible dialogue in this movie. Like I said, there's a potential for it to be great. She is portrayed as being an innocent, a, a proper old school, not aware of anything in the world. They encounter a couple of times. She's old-fashioned. She works in the antique store. Yeah. She's the old-fashioned girl. She's striving mm. in the futuristic world. She hasn't involved herself in that world yet. Mm. He meets old school. She meets new school. Yeah, and she believes in the purity of love, not just violent sex. Kittens are awake. Yeah, exactly. Was that a hiss, children? It was. Language. <laughs> but at the same time, she has a much more 
grounded, realistic awareness of what the world is like, as opposed to Gerard, who's... What do you think she knows about what the world's like? She lives in the real... What's considered... Okay, all right. So this is the thing. The problem with this film is that there's just not that many actors... That there's not that she many lives people. in a world. She's never seen it. Well, she hasn't seen a car since she was a child. No, but that's the point. We're seeing this from Jared's point of view, and we're clearly told that Jared is an elite. We're clearly told that he's a, he's a, he's the one percent. We're and, told he's currently an elite. Yeah, he's not always been there. She's so surprised he has a car. Now, in every other type of this movie. Nikki would represent the vast majority, and to a certain extent, Nikki would represent where we are meant to be. Oh, if we saw this film back then. No, 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 just in general. I like uh, you watch Demolition Man, you watch Running Man, you I watch do. any of these. You watch 1984. You I watch do. yes, you watch these dystopian films. We are the majority. The viewer is shown as this is what the general world is like. You mean watch Viva Vendetta? You are part of what would be the majority. Yeah. The thing is that because this movie is such a tight budget, because this movie has no expansion, I think we are Nikki. We're not Jared. Jared is without a doubt an elite coming down and mixing it with the real world. Nikki's I've never seen a car. This is where I need to see it, which I totally understand something you guys didn't get. What? Sorry? But back on the cafe sequence. The seat. cafe sequence. Oh, um, I think Nikki represents... Tari and I are going to re-watch yeah. this. I think Nikki represents the majority of the people in the universe that this movie establishes. I think she's the opposite of that, and that's why they're looking for her. She's not jaded. Everyone they have is jaded. Ah, <sighs> no, I... I. So you think the oppressed to the minority in this film? Who's oppressed? Nikki. Nikki and the cafe owner and that genre, the people who don't have a car and who don't... No have... one has a car in this. No, Jared does. That's the point. Jared does, and then he's demoted, and then his offsider who takes over has yeah, a car. That's what, and that's what I'm saying. Jared is in the tier of society that has Which cars and Which means there's, like, houses. a person in this who has a car. That's my point. Okay. Nikki then represents all the other people. If you... Because that were... means she represents, like, literally everybody else. And we're back to the lack of actual people in the movie. <laughs> That's my big problem with this film. And is weird, we creepy know. makeup guy at the bus stop. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, and that's where the documentary is weirdly meta about this because it's about taking ordinary people, in inverted commas, and putting them into this world where they might suddenly become a centre spread, where they might become uh, a star. Where, where they, they might, might become... have belongings. Yeah, where they might have belongings. Where they might not have... You just took way more than that to what I was going to say. Oh, no. he goes to the antique shop and says he'll um, take her home. She said, oh, I'll just go get my stuff. And she comes back. She has nothing. She doesn't have a handbag or anything. Yeah, no, she really doesn't. <laughs> no, she, really she doesn't. doesn't at all. Yeah, no, I, I know. That's kind of, like I said, that's a point, that, you know, where they don't all have the big plastic key ring thing. Which are never which different. I know, I know. And You can pay for things with them. Except he buys a camera down. at the antique store, except the bloke at the antique store doesn't give it back and that's his no. keys now. His keys are attached on that key. They maybe, do not explain the chips, the, maybe, the tokens they have. Maybe I've just seen too many dystopian movies and I'm assuming so much in this well, that's yeah. generic in the others. It is certainly a, a narrative or artistic problem to say, or for the film to present 
Nikki as representing the vast populist majority when there is one of her. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. And okay. she's the special one that Central is looking for. Mm. And were this a contemporary set film, and I've already said how easy it would be to simply strip out the science fiction elements and tell essentially the same story, she would be a manic pixie dream girl. Oh, fuck yeah. Wow. Well, she doesn't answer questions, so that works. Because I've always, wow, that's really interesting, because I've always assumed in these films that the when you have those kind of tiered societies, by definition it's pyramidal. You start at the top with a very small number and you get more and more and more the further down society you go. Whereas the idea that she's the last of, you know, maybe her... Tribe. Well, tribe. Um, I her didn't expect uncle, to say that. Father, I was joking. No, uh, no he's uh, just the old man. They're no relation at all. Yeah. She works at the shop. The, That's there's it. There's maybe only two of them. Yeah, wow. I'd never, I'd never considered that. It's less 1984 and more Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Another really interesting film to watch. Okay, cool. I had assumed that she was this sort of representative of a vast societal, you know, metropolis level. It's a skin support. flick. It's all it is, is a skin flick. They try to put some plot in. Let me give you some quotes from Behind the Center Spread. This is Wayne Groom. So Wayne Groom is the producer. He's of this got film. some bloody tickets on himself, too. Okay, go ahead. At the end, this film has reaffirmed my belief that people do enjoy sex. Oh, fuck, were you not sure about that before now? Did you did you think people are over it and you need to make a film to make people enjoy it? That doesn't seem like a scarce and hardly known fact. He is the producer, though, so I will point out the one thing. He gets the money. He gets the money and a... The he doesn't point. care about the plot or the point. He just gives his shit to get the money. The thing about a, an but, exploitation movie and exploitation movies is you need to get dollar X to pay for it, and you get dollar X plus Y at the end. So he he may have gotten the... somewhere between one hundred and twenty-five thousand and six hundred thousand dollars for this. <laughs> I discovered an attitude which made my heart warm, warm because it was an attitude of we enjoy sexuality. We enjoy exhibiting ourselves, and it's a real fantasy kick. He's saying that's what he thinks the women are thinking. Of the few sex films made in Australia, this one is markedly different because the market is already there. This film will be head and shoulders above because we put so much artistic effort into making this a viable film that it will show through. What's wrong with that quote? Oh, just reality. And women's lib has tended to upset uh. her old idea of sexual relationships. Men are a bit confused about how they should now treat women. Oh, this sounds familiar. We've forgotten sometimes that people do like being exhibitionists. They do like enjoying their bodies, and they do enjoy displaying them. And I think this film has been an opportunity to start enjoying sex again. Okay, we'll not defend that. I rest my case, He's talking honor. like sex is bell-bottom yeah. jeans. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's being, Which, 1981, they're gone, buddy. He's being Mark Latham. He's being, I can't say more bad things about him because he's still alive and has people who love him. He's being the kind of person who believes that there is an attack on Christmas every year. Oh, oh my God, he so is. Yeah. Except transmute sex. That's wrong. 100% wrong. 
Right. But that's not... He's the money finder, and I just... He's the producer of the film. And he's probably one of the people that fucked it up. My argument is not that this is a good movie. My argument is this is a terrible movie. This is a terrible movie. That's fucking changed since no, first no, position. No, no, this is yeah, a, no. Yeah, no. I think we can we no. can uh, check with no. the tapes on no. this. <laughs> this is a terrible movie that could have been an amazing film because it genuinely had an interesting idea, but instead of selling it as a dystopian future flick or a sci-fi action flick, it was sold as a porn flick. And I think if you go back, you'll find that's pretty much exactly what I said. Because I genuinely think there are some really interesting potential parts of this movie, but because of the way they felt they need to sell it, they jammed tits and ass in, and they got tits and ass exactly what they wanted. Five point two out of ten. They didn't get someone. I genuinely, I and I mean, we we've talked about this before in the early in the early films where I always felt that if somebody was making a movie, they had something to say, and then I was like, well, no, they had something to say, which is my wallet is empty. I need to make my wallet full. I honestly believe someone had something to say with this movie, and it could have been something great. Spread is dull and disastrous, yeah. chiefly because none of the cast can act, and the script's lacklustre. Yeah, they, the script is terrible, the delivery is not great, and I just, I see snippets of what could have been an, a really interesting commentary, doubly so when you look at the post-production movie about how they built it and it being such a meta commentary on itself as did you watch the same thing i watched honestly that's a question i thought i did i genuinely thought i did fuck you (laughs) canberra was chosen for the premiere season of center spread in an effort to qualify the film for this year's australian film institute afi awards it would have been better to have opened in Udnagalabi, where it would have sunk without a trace as it deserves. This, in 1981, is a review by Dougal McDonald, who still reviews in camera for City Magazine. All right. I'm going to actually put uh, his whole review in the comments. I want to... Udnagalabi, of course, has a notoriously eager audience for <laughs> dystopian porn. It's uh, a made-up name. For what it... It's... it's the back yeah. of it. Well, there is a yeah, place it's, called Whoop Whoop. It's full of Makanka. Yeah, for what it's worth. It's, it's a Kinematata? In some <laughs> ways, it's Springfield, USA. It's a generic, non existent place. Springfield, yeah, Springfield does exist, but it exists everywhere. Yeah, so that's the like. Is, yeah. It's, haven't it's, we been standing in five states long enough? <laughs> I just. I. There's parts of this movie, I mean, you watch it and Nikki genuinely owns herself through the film. She makes the decision points at every stage. When she decides to finally let Jared take photos of her, she says she knows what she's getting into and he's the one who's actually kind of... He says, I don't want to submit these. Yeah. I. He's the one who doesn't recognise that she's decided... In the society, she knows he she's in. she's decided. He just doesn't give a fuck because she's a woman. No, not by now. No, no, no. He's no. higher strata. No. Okay, Maybe I think she loses it. He loses that. Sorry, she. He loses that strata. Yeah, he because he had no idea. Her. He had a fucking timeline that no one had told him about. Oh, you passed the deadline. What flipping 
deadline. Yeah, no, there, there is a yeah, there is no deadline provided by the So so Callum Callum and I discussed this yesterday. I'd watched it previously. Callum watched it last night. We came together in the last ten or so minutes of this. So Callum was defending it to the hilt. And then we spent the last ten minutes together. And it was a hot mess. The last ten minutes were a hot mess. I will completely agree. I want to know your thoughts. So where we're at is Jared's been sent away. The two men are looking through the new portfolio of Nikki and loving it. And Nikki comes in to meet them. Where's Jared? Oh, he's finished this assignment. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm not. Sorry, I thought I thought it was a question there. I, I was indicating for you to finish that off. Okay, so um, oh right, sorry. So Jared's been sure demoted to section D. Section D, yes, I sector, believe. Sector or section? Oh, sector, sector, sector D. D. Yeah, here's what I'm saying. There's a whole sub story on this that you we don't that they get. don't explain at again. All another in failing way. in this movie. Yes. Yeah, well, I would say there's no potential in this movie, just that it meets so little of it. Yeah, exactly. That, 100%, completely with you. But you were really pissed off at the final scene. Yeah. So, Jared's gone, been demoted, Nikki riding the wave, Central loves her now, she's got all the access, she gets dropped off at the park where Jared always has lunch. Of course, she can't drive the car. Mark does that. She's just a woman. What does she know? I'm sorry. You're genuinely inserting she's a woman into that. Yeah, I really, really um, uh, am. Mark has taken over Jared's role. So he's got – Mark has Jared's place. Jared's – oh, God, I want Jared's pool. I want to live in his place. Jared's house is amazing. Probably Jared doesn't have it anymore. No. Oh, he only had it for five minutes, really. (laughs) How did you find me? Mark brought me. He told me everything that happened. It doesn't matter now. They really dress you well. I love you, Gerard. I love you. I can't offer you much. I don't want much. Sure, Nikki. You have a huge future. We have. The two of them are in love and want a future together, but she has to give away her high status for them to be together. There's no discussion of he can come up with me. You know, she's chosen to do that, right? In the context of the film, she decides to cast all aside for him. Yeah, sure, but why can't he quit his job and go hang out with her? I don't know. I, I'm not defending that part of the film. Like I said, at the very end of the movie, it becomes a hot mess. One of my big criticisms of uh, Hayao Miyazaki films, the, oh. all of his oeuvre of movies, is that right towards the very end, you just get 
And like fixes everything. It's a big spackle over all of the bits and pieces. And you watch Spirited Away or, or any of those ones and, you know, love splatters over everything. And to a certain extent, I feel the same with this, is that they got to the very end of the film because they compromised so much of what may or may not have been a planned storyline for sex. There was nowhere to go. Love, I love you. Everything will be fine. It'll be all good. But you can go up a down. No, but in this universe, you don't bring people up with you. You're there. I mean, everybody that's in that upper echelon is single. So this connects to my Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, often what you'll get with that is romanticizing poverty to some degree. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. And so often in a more straightforward use of that trope, it's usually a man who's maybe not upper class, but upper middle class, yep. you know, does well for himself, who, who runs across a woman who just sells tacos of weird ingredients or something and she's getting by but she's nowhere near as rich as him and it's very much made clear how much better off he would be if he quote-unquote went down to her level to use the language which sure sure yeah and it's the same thing sort of that purity of emotion lays with the presumed poverty of the but why can't they elevate the other person because that's That's not playing into the romanticizing poverty cliche yeah. That's exactly right. Thank Never. you, Daria. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not a sexist thing. It plays out as sexist at the end because she is a woman who has to part that. But it's not. It's just the particular genre of the film. They Romanticizing never, poverty. Can, yeah, they can never bring someone up. Where they've never mentioned poverty before in this film. Well, mm. It is kind of only an assumption that to go down includes a loss of money such as it is in this world. Oh, it's no, very no, much no, started. Oh. No, it's not, it's not an assumption. It's, it's, it's explicitly said. He says, You may be able to afford to eat. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. You day. may be able to afford to eat. Yes. It's, I got it's thrown ex- by the lack of actual cash and numbers. I know. Because you just have these like fucking key rings that mean mm. something. It's common people. It's... It's Love that song. So, so, yeah. It's a great song. Great William song. Shatner's Thank you, version William Shatner. Is, I was about to say, William Shatner's version is particularly <laughs> good. But yeah, it's it's not... <sighs> yes, at the end, the woman is the one who has to set aside her f- perceived fortune. Because again, at the same time, we don't know how rich she's become. We don't know if she's... We know she's fucking successful. Yeah, but <laughs> she might be Bill Bailey in Black Book successful, you know? Little snacks on individual plates and things, you know. We're not talking, you know, when he's all beady. Yeah, that's random. Go on. When he's all beady. Um, Beardy. No, but when he's being with the beard and no, no, you know, where he's notionally got success. No, 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 no. He's being fucking sexually exploited. Yes, exactly. It's, oh, holy shit. This film is an episode of Black Book. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. It's always anyway. a while since I've seen Black Books. No, there's an episode. Uh, I think it's the, it's the last episode. <laughs> More in details in the comments, kids. Yeah. It's the episode, the last episode in season one where... It's, it's he the, runs the, away from home and a beard lover yeah, meets him and there's all these... It's the Midnight, oh, it's, it's the midnight Cowboy. The midnight I kind of remember. Yeah. I, maybe I've only seen it the once. But Graham Linehan used to write so much better things. <laughs> oh, God, he's gone crazy, hasn't he? Yeah. Even the Book of Bunny um, Suicides is better than the... Sh- stuff going on now wrap it up the point being that maybe all of my fascination with dystopian fiction be it written or be it movies 
I read way more into this movie than it deserves. And like I said right at the very start, in this one, it's about what it could be for me. I recognise that it is not a good film. I do genuinely recognise that, but it had so much potential. And the fact that they decided to choose of all the ways of getting it out there to the real world, pornography, is such a waste. There's so much I want answers to. I want to know how Central got established. I want to know what it is. What are the tears? Are there genuinely thousands of people? You know, what's the societal level? I mean, you know, you watch something like High Rise and a single society is established in one building where you don't necessarily get a taste of what's happening in the outside world. A bit like Gattaca, you don't really see what's going on in the outside world, but it's still well established. This movie totally fucking drops the ball on that. There was such an interesting society behind the scenes and it's three people. No, no, no. I'm saying there is the potential for it, but the the movie fails. There's a potential it's set in Neptune. There's just nothing to back this up. I'm sorry. I saw it. And it may all boil down to the fact that I saw Table 22 as somewhere she couldn't move from, where you guys just saw it as where she preferred to be. And we're back. All right. So, we're going with... I'm giving it... (laughs) I'm giving it one sex ninja out of five. (laughs) One flick knife out of how many other flick knives are flipping out there because I've seen it. (laughs) Wow. When the most damning damning thing you can say about a movie is is, I've I've seen seen it. it. Well, yeah. One throwing star and I'm throwing it my damn self right now. This was flickering and lights had happened across my eyes for an hour and a half, so therefore I can give that... A throwing star. I am giving it half a weird-ass fucking camera out of five. I'm so fascinated by those cameras. Yeah. Also, you're giving it half? Yeah. Because you're giving it... started defending the flip out of this <laughs> film and you're giving it the lowest score. Yeah. Dude. No, because it needed to be all of what I love about this movie is what I've put into it. What I reckon it's backtrack. You, Dario? No, no. I, I still stand by absolutely everything. It had the potential. It could have been amazing. It was so much of what I wanted, and it failed to deliver on every aspect. I could not even defend a table number against you two. It is so much watch, but you should go in with no expectations. Because if you go in with nothing, if you go in with no expectations, maybe you'll get out of it what I got out of it. But if you go in expecting anything decent, you will just be disappointed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, non-binary pals, if you want to go in for a sex flick, if you don't know if it's quite a sex flick, but it might be, why don't you go and watch Center Spread and see what you might think of that hot mess? This movie could have been 1984. This movie could have been anything. But it just... It could well, have been. Right so if you spent the last, however long this has been going, Two defending days. what the movie wasn't. Two days. I genuinely loved it. I genuinely did. But I cannot in all good conscience suggest that anybody else should see it with an expectation that it'll be good because I got my enjoyment and amazement out of it 
thinking it was going to be terrible. If I roll out a red carpet to this That's... film, anyone who watches it will be disappointed. If you go in expecting nothing, you might get something out of this. I give you half a star and the suggestion you, you do genuinely watch it. Fuck. I gave it a one because I thought there were a couple of good bits, but not much. <laughs> really like the women covering themselves in paint. I I absolutely loved how the paint was done and played with and I really like the Okay, that's definitely the colours that, that they created. It didn't just go to browns. Do you know and... what it was? I loved everything this movie wasn't. What? I love the storyline. You love that this wasn't a poop emoji. I mean, what do you mean everything this movie wasn't? You wish this movie, you love that this movie wasn't moving house after a divorce. I, what do you love? I loved what this movie could have been and never delivered on. I loved that I got to the end of it and was fascinated by where it could have gone and then it didn't deliver. I loved the storyline oh. that was never developed because they had to stop and give another two and a half minutes of fucking lesbian non-sex violence. I really wanted well, this movie to be optimism, amazing. isn't it beautiful? Don't you wish you were that unjaded? Oh, you sweet summer child. Half a weird-ass fucking camera for what this movie could have been. I got quite a soft spot for body painting. That's made a lot of my point. Oh, yeah, the body painting was fantastic, and they made some great shots out of it, and I love what they did with the colours, and they kept laying with the colours instead of just blending them. What was the, the weird kind of white circle with a little red bead in the middle? It was almost like a kind of a weird uterus or something. Both okay, of the I turned, didn't get that, you? Both of the girls turned around at one point. They had like a weird oh, I thought any, white. One of them had the no, white there. They both had the white circle with a little red bead, and he got white in his hair. It was almost oh, like and a. The, and then they did the cute dab on the nose that they're doing yeah. every uh, paint ad. Which is the moment that he paint... becomes smiley. No, then they did the dirty Sanchez across his upper <laughs> lip, and it was just gross now. That's the only time the paint turned brown. It was amazing. Let's end this. Happy Valentine's out there. <laughs> And one last thing. Oh. A pretty much exactly about a minute is when she decides that she's going to let him photograph her. Callum means an hour. An hour? What did I say? <laughs> a minute. A minute. Sorry. About an hour. Right on the hour mark, three minutes or so, that's when she says she's going to let him photograph her and claims that aspect of herself as well. And could have been great and wonderful, but... So I usually say we watch these films so you don't have to. You've listened to this. So go on. Find a copy and see who you trust more, me and Daria or Callum. If nothing else, it comes to Felicity, which I did like a lot better. Felicity was a lot of fun, actually. After Center Shred, Felicity was very uncomplicated and kind of cool. Felicity was a vanilla blancmange, white and fluffy. Oh, now I want a vanilla blancmange. <laughs> a couple of the characters in Center Spread were named Droogs in the credits, which of course is a reference to 1984. Uh, that, I uh, no, uh, it's uh, not. Uh, it's Clockwork Orange. Yeah, that I did notice. Yeah. And you'll also notice that the kittens are settling down and purring into microphones. <laughs> Good night, gentle viewer, listener. Before we go, a special thank you to our guest announcer for tonight, Empress Eerie. You can find her work of many kinds by searching for Empress Eerie or Eerie Entertainments both E-Y-R-I-E, on Facebook. Go check it out. Anyway, happy Valentine's. I've been Daria. 
I'm still November. Oh, and I'm still Callum as well. Who knew? Stole my thunder. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. You've just spent the night with Callum, Daria, and November on Podsploitation After Dark. The sounds are the work of Daria's nubile fingers. Opening and closing music is by Key Lo Kutz, used with their kind permission under Creative Commons. Try them out at www.musicbras. All other material is for review and illustrative purposes only and remains the copyright of its holders. More episodes are available at podsploitation.podbean.com. You can email the show at podsploitation at gmail.com, tweet to at podsploitation or search podsploitation on Facebook. No 26-year-old schoolgirls or outsized photography equipment was harmed in the making of this podcast. Was it good for you too?